Well, JQ, what's going on? As we just spent, like, yeah, building a car. Changing chassis for Peko. Okay, well, that's the life of a race engineer, I would say. Changing chassis, yeah. changing parts, doing all that type of stuff. We're going to talk about that and a whole bunch more in this week's podcast because you're supposed to do this on Friday and then you messaged me and was like, I only have an hour and a half. And I said, we need more time. That would have been plenty of time. No, because then you would have been distracted and rushing me and all that type of stuff. And you haven't been on her for quite a long time. And the last time you're on her, you're so morbid. I will be distracted and rushing you this time also. So I wouldn't have made a difference. No, you will not. No, you will not. Yes, I will. Anyway. With that said, let's drop that intro. I'm going to get into my thing, uh, and then I'll bring you back. Good. You need to get I'll mute mic. myself. Yeah. My mute mic's fine. Mic. Yeah, Your mic is not fine. Your mic is not fine, and everybody knows that it's not fine. The only person that doesn't know it's fine is you. So, uh, yeah. Let's hit that intro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 indeed. Nitro is the glory, but e-buggy pays the bills. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 235 that got postponed on Friday. Um, I am here, your host, Keenan White, a.k.a. Lefted Great. And over to the virtual left, who's not paying us any mind, is, uh, as we all know, uh, JQ, a.k.a. Beaker, a.k.a. Rupert Pumpernickels, who's now 40 years old. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But before we do all of that, I'm going to pay some bills. We have some birthdays to shout out. And we have some, actually, some sad news. So with that said, I would like to say thank you to all of the NNRC squad around the world. Without you guys, none of this is possible. We greatly appreciate your support. It's good to see the squad growing bigger. It's all around the world. I'm super happy about that. Shout out to the patrons of the NNRC and the YouTube members. Uh, you guys will get early release of this podcast. Uh, thank you for all the extra support. If you wish to be a member and support the podcast a little bit more uh, or a patron, you can. Uh, 
there are links in the written description. We are going to start. I'm going to drop a patron only pod this week as well. It's been quite a while. With that said, we also have some awesome companies that support the podcast and we greatly appreciate them. And we would appreciate if you show them some love because that shows us some love. Uh, there are links and written descri- in the written description of this. We have affiliate links for some. We have some that you can save coupon codes with and some we don't have any, but you can just tell them that you've heard about it on the NNRC. With that said, they are Invisible Speed, High Tech RC, Sun Pedal USA, Sidewinder Fuel, Mayako, Hot Race Tires, Beach RC, Techno RC, Clinic RC, Ignite Design RC, bringing gas truck back, Racecraft USA, uh, and shout out to my good friend Danny Paz at WRCE, uh, doing a lot of good work here. I'll be seeing Danny here shortly. Uh, shout out to Connie at House of RC, and shout out to our drivers, David Ranafalk, Robert Badier, Alex Handerhagberg and Jared Tebow. So thank you. Like I said, you can find links and all that for those in the written description of this podcast. Uh, I want to shout out a few people. Shout out to BJ Williams. He's been helping helping us out doing the notes and stuff. He's an RC racer and he's uh, really, really helped come on and helped us out here. And uh, he's recovering from a knee surgery and he has a GoFundMe for him if you want to help him out a little bit. Uh, also, check out the Dog Days Dog Days Auctions. They have Fenn, Evans, Tebow. They have a whole bunch of different RC drivers signed memorabilia. It's put in these cool display cases, and all proceeds go to the Ronald McDonald Children's Charity. I believe they're uh, building houses or housing young uh, people that need it or young ch- kids that need it. In Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania, I believe it was, they were talking about that's where all the money goes to. Uh, also, to the DDRC guys, they have a Hagberg, Hamilton, and a couple of other um, body shells up for... Uh, I actually have a Lewis Hamilton autographed body shell uh, up for auction, and all proceeds from this go to the RC Visions, which is to promote uh, disability access for disabled racers. Uh, also, I would like to say happy birthday to a few people that I saw they had their birthday this past week. They are a shout out to David Bauman, who just went 40 himself. Shout out to the basement. You, we can't hear you because you have your uh, microphone muted, which is all staticky anyway. Scotty Brewer, Raw President Clayton Young, Brad Gack. I love that guy's build. Uh, works for uh, AE. Shout out to my boy, Corey Jordan, left. Uh, sorry, left tire salute, 8KJ24000. Go hit up his YouTube channel. Barkley Abernathy, shout out to the, my Irish friends. Barkley Abernathy, Andrew Rennick also just had his birthday as well. I did not know he was that old. He does not look that age. Uh, and shout out to my good friend, Chris Vanner. And we see that Carlos Arandondo Sr. also had a birthday. Now, we do have some not so good news. Not good news at all, but this happened a couple of, maybe about a week and a half ago. Uh, Stu Trotter, who's the father of Ryder Trotter down there in Florida. Uh, he was funny, man. I just saw, saw all these. I saw him, Ryder, and his wife. They had masses of dirt and he was talking. And then I found out he had, he had, he had cancer shortly after. And um, he succumbed to his, chan- his cancer about two weeks ago. And it's really sad because Ryder's a young kid. He's like eight. He's really enthusiastic about RC. And his dad was everything to him. So uh, I, our condolences go out to the family. <clears throat> and the Florida RC community as well. And uh, yeah, we're, you're in our thoughts. And they have a GoFundMe as well set up. I'll leave a link for that in the written description as well to try and help them out a little bit. But uh, yeah, oh, I, it's so sad, man. I, I was thinking about this. And when I found out that he had cancer, I kind of, you know, was pr- kind of knew what the outcome was going to be, unfortunately, because he had it really bad. And it seemed that this happened so, so, so all of a sudden. 
right? Because I just saw them at Maud. They were there. And then they, <laughs> then I didn't, you know, we didn't see them no more. So really unfortunate to that family. And um, yeah, just really, it's been on my mind a lot. And uh, one of his friends has been keep, had been keeping me informed about this. So I want to say thank you to him as well. And man, Ryder and, and his mom, our thoughts, we, they go out to us, positive vibes. And that's how I help this family out a little bit. And uh, if we can, all right. Um, uh, we got a lot to talk about this, this weekend. Sorry, this week. Uh, we haven't had this guy on the podcast in quite some time. A lot's happened. You know, he's now 40 years old. Doesn't really mean nothing because he still acts like he's 15. But uh, I got to hang out with him in Portugal. It was fun. And I guess we, he hasn't been on this podcast. The last time he was on this podcast, he actually complained the entire time. So, and he's not going to do that at this time, even though complaining is his hobby, his pastime and his, his actual like purpose in life is to complain. But we would like to welcome Mr. Rupert Pumpernickels onto the podcast. There's been some, con- dude, what's up with your internet thing? It's all blocky and choppy. You're like, Coming in and out, and the, the picture's bad. Like, you got janky mic issues today. Yeah, the picture's really bad. You know what, JQ? Before we bring you in, I suggest you go out and come back in. Go out of the program and come back in, because your picture is really, really bad. All right, after we just troubleshot a whole bunch of JQ's technical difficulties, he needs a new mic, everybody. He needs a new mic. He won't admit it. And everybody, Look, everybody that heard his last live also heard the static, all right? So you need to get a new mic. Something's wrong with that. If, you know, you've probably worn it out because you've talked quite a lot into it. But anyway, JQ, welcome back on the show. You're now 40 years old. Uh, you've been traveling as well a little bit. You was in the Philippines. Then, of course, we was together at the International uh, Buggy Challenge in Portugal. So I thought it'd be cool to have you on, have a little catch up about what's been going on with you and stuff like that. But before I go on, I wanted to tell you that, hey, I actually got some guys together here, myself, Ricardo, um, Frank. Manuel, Laura, and Carlos, and we actually started a group, and looks like we're actually going to start making plans to make a tracker again. Nice, yeah. Same so, place as where you had it. No, they're looking at somewhere else, more in the center of the city, and it's just right now, just preliminary getting together, looking at pos- looking at that possible area, uh, talking to people. So we're going to get a plan together, figure out how to make some mo- get some money, so we could build a driver stand, and then. I want to build a, um, everybody wants to do a glue track, like IBC, um, like we had at the the track that you came to that time, where I met you, uh, yeah. 360. So everybody wants to do a glue track because we want to get like one-tenth and all that. We want to get new people running. So I think that's the best way to do it. If the glue <clears throat> seal the whole track, it's traction, you know, it lasts. Okay, when it rains, it goes off, but it lasts pretty good. And, uh, yeah, so I'm excited about that. I don't know. I mean, like I said, it's just preliminary talks at this moment. So hopefully it, you know, works out to redo get something because I would really like to race again. I mean, we have on-road racing going on and I have a, a GT, but it isn't offered, you know, and that's what we we care about mostly. And, uh, I like to get my son down there, maybe running. And my daughter at some point. So I hope it does happen. Uh, what about you, man? What have you been up to since you got back from Portugal? What have I done? Uh, bookkeeping, annual bookkeeping. That was you. That was fun. Uh, motocross. 
gone to the track a couple of times. Right, because yeah. it's summer now, right? So is it still cool in Finland or is it like springtime? Yeah, it's like about 20 Celsius. Okay. And then you guys have your first race next week? First Finnish national, yeah. Are you racing in it or just race engineering? No, just race engineering. That's it. For Pekko. I know you're super excited about having Pekko on the team. He's like your your new protege, your new Padawan, as you would say. Actually, he's better than you by far. But, but you still I am have reigning the... Finnish national champion, so let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, well, if you don't race this race, you're already going to be one on. So anyway, um, 40 years old, dude. Four zero, you know, 40. So you can go run 40 plus if you wish. Um, how does that feel? Because you was in denial for quite a long time about this. I, I say, we'll say this. You look good for 40. Not much gray hair. Well, you wouldn't know now because you dyed your hair the other day. But how does it feel to be 4-0? I mean, it's a bit depressing because <laughs> you have to accept that your life is almost over. But other than that, feels no different. Oh, shit. I go 45 yeah. this year. I go 45 in a month and a bit. So, yeah. yeah. I've, I'm, I'm feeling 45 today. I feel like it too. Um. You're re- okay, so you know what? I have a burn to pick with you. I really do. And I told you about this in Portugal. And I said, I'm also going to, I watch your retirement video and it's good. You know, I know you. it took a lot to, to do that. And two burns to pick with you because you asked me to watch it prior and I told you what to do and you didn't do it. The music is too damn loud in, in, the, in the retirement video. Yeah, I did do it. No, it's you didn't not, turn it on enough. Not. It is too loud. It I is very it. hard yeah, to determine no, between you. No, it is. And I'm not the first it's, person it to really say that. Isn't. It, no, no, it really isn't. I, it checked, I even watched it. No. Of, you but, and of course, your one friend, you. you and your one friend may think that, but it's not too loud. You hey. can barely hear it in some spots. No, no. Salty said, even Salty said, no, music's too loud. Music is too loud. No, first burn to pick loud. with you. First burn to pick with you about that video, right? Second burn to pick with you is... Literally, I keep your life together for the last six years, right? Six years of your life has probably been the best six years of your life having me around. And I literally got really? one second. I I made a podcast. <laughs> the guy gets a whole song you. about your sister. Yeah, well, that's because I just happened to find that video clip. And it was, you know, I needed something to uh, introduce a new chapter. And that's what I went with. Yeah, you kind of opened up a lot in that talking about anxiety and all that. I mean, normal people have anxiety as well. I have it as well. Yeah, but normal people have anxiety in a normal way when it's relevant. Right. I I also like the, I like the, but people do that too. You, I'm anxious for things that I don't need to be anxious for. But you, you said work. Have is you a ever had, been anxious? Pretty much for every day for a month straight. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, but I got over it. Really? Yeah, I just—I mean, I want to say for I'm—I'm anxious every month. I'm just trying to make. I'm trying to pay bills every month. I actually not. You know what? Actually, I think that uh, that you are the wrong person to judge because you're messed up too. <laughs> you really, are. you really are messed up. So you're, oh, I know. You're I had the issues. wrong person to judge. No, I'm actually the right person because I—I can—I can. I can understand i mean maybe so, like, you have 
a different exactly level of anxiousness. Yeah, but you maybe have a different level of anxiousness. I would say we're both abnormal. We both live abnormal lives. And yeah, the anxious part is like, yeah, I'm making, making ends meet at the end of the month. Uh, but great, great video. It seemed to be well received by many people. Um, I know it also took a lot for you to open up. Like you even had a picture of your dad who I found out what his name was now. Like I didn't know what your dad's name was all this time. And uh, you look just like him. You look just like your pops. And why are you wearing dresses? Yeah. I don't know. Because I had two sisters and they dressed me up. <laughs> I guess. Anyway, that's good, man. That's good. And I'm surprised you didn't use my favorite picture. You didn't use the one of you in like your tuxedo with the violin. That's where did you see that picture? You showed, you showed it to me. Yeah. It's like you, your sisters. You look like you're like in your yeah. little black suits. You had to play the violin at the supermarket. Yeah, that so, video was uh, really not about RC. Did you get that? Yeah, I know it's about life. That wasn't really the your point, life. point of the video. Yeah, to be honest. So, but what, I, I so guess. What? Well, explain to people what the point of the video was. I think that the re retirement from RC, as in, it's not. It wasn't really about racing and retiring from racing. That wasn't really the motivation behind making it. Uh, I think that it was more more to do with the fact that okay. Like you've said uh, a, lot, a lot of times already, now I'm 40 years old. Time to kind of figure out life, finally. <laughs> like you can't live in denial forever, right? Mm -hmm. And that's really what it was. It was sort of um, planning it, researching, finding all the footage, um, scripting it, edit editing it. That process was really the reason for it. And then the reason for making it public was just that when it's public, it sort of forces me to act maybe instead of just, you know, thinking it and then forgetting about it. Because I don't know, I don't, uh, I don't really sort of care what other people think, but subconsciously, I think we all care. So there's mm -hmm. some kind of subconscious pressure so if you say something publicly, you should do it. Do you see what I mean? Right. So right. then when, when you put it out there, I think uh, maybe it sort of motivates me to change change some things. And, uh, so are you changing anything in your life? Uh, communication, you, you aren't. Because I mean, still... it's easier said than done, I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that... Um, Yeah, I think it's a it's really hard to to make the to kind change. of changes that I I need to make. Like I right. you know, I don't have a family by choice, you know, but it's not a choice that I want to make. It's a choice that I've sort of felt that I've had to make, you know. Do you think that's just part of the sacrifice to get where you kind of are? Or have been like you had to put that aside. Uh, I think maybe initially yes, but not really because that's also why 
um, no relationships I've had have last lasted because I have left like um, because I just haven't really been able to handle being in a relationship, even a good one. I, I don't mean that my relationships have somehow all been bad and break up. No, like even a good relationship, I'm not able to mentally feel good in a good relationship even. So I've left, you know, these kind of things. I think that if you don't address those, then uh, you'll never really get over that. That's really what the, the video was about, trying to... Address some of your, your insecurities kind of and your issues. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I like the one saying you said, uh, work was a vacation for my mind and vacation was work for my mind. That's pretty interesting. And um, that would explain why you do 20-hour days. And you think everybody should do that. That's the issue. Well, I don't, you work. I don't do 20-hour days, but maybe... JQ, JQ, what? I'm literally, you're messaging me at like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, JQ, it's like 5 in the morning there. Have you been asleep? No. Like, JQ, <laughs> I talked to you. It was yesterday, like your time. It's now 5 o'clock in the morning. You should go sleep. I'd be like, go sleep, dude. Go sleep. So that's not healthy. No, it probably isn't. But but anyway, so. the, first, the first thing is admitting that you have some issues, right? And that you have to try and fix this. And um, I think like getting back with your family is very important, you know, because it's funny. I was having, I know but this is an RC podcast, but it's funny. I was having this discussion the other day. Like I haven't seen my mom since 2014, right? So that's 11 years. I haven't seen my best friend anywhere else since for 12, since 2014 as well. You know, I haven't seen my cousin since 2010. And that was my choice because I'm her and the back in Bermuda, right? So, and I haven't been back to Bermuda. I haven't, I'm all this traveling that I'm done. I haven't even thought about going back to Bermuda. So, I mean, I have, but hmm, it is what it is. So we all make sacrifices, right? At some point, my sacrifice to move her was like, I know I'm not going to see my family or friends like that anymore. So it's, it's, yeah, but it's, I think the weirdest thing really in all of this is how much um, we are in our own heads because we live most of our lives in our own mind, talking to ourselves, having conversations with ourselves, thinking about stuff, making up our mind. So that inner monologue, how we talk to ourselves, the things we say, the things we believe, we decide those things. Like the way we feel we are we are doing that to ourselves. Our mm-hmm, brain is mm-hmm. right. It's not someone else. We we choose either choose or uh, subconsciously we we don't choose, but subconsciously our brain tells our body to feel a certain way, right? But that's all within us. It's not mm-hmm. something outside of us. And then, so I know people who have um, had terrible things happen in their life. And if I try to imagine those things happening to me, I I can't even really, I can't even put myself in that situation. Like how would I be able to deal with that if that happened to me? But because they went through it, they are able to deal with it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you think, well, you know, everything's actually pretty good. I, I don't really have anything to complain about in my life. But then you look at the other end of the spectrum, you see people, who are rich and famous and influential and loved around the world. And they have every opportunity in life to 
to to really do whatever. They can just retire and live in peace for the rest of their lives. They have so much money. They could do that. Or they can just choose to change their career, do whatever. But in their mind, they don't see that. So, uh, I mean, Robin Williams, uh, Avicii, uh, Linkin Park singer, they all committed suicide, right? Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, from the yeah, outside, they had everything. Like, everything's you have everything that you would do that, but it's because they are in their own minds, just like everyone else. So yeah. it's sometimes yeah. hard to it's hard to understand from the outside how someone how someone's life actually is and feels. You can't judge uh, someone based on how their life is going externally, like how successful they are, how much they have, or the things that have happened to someone or how how much suffering there is in their life. You know, mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. like that might, might mentally be a lot better off than Avicii, for example. So it's, it's really weird if you think about it. Yeah. You never know what the next man is going through. Next person's going through. And it's like, I tell people all the time, just because, you may everybody's okay. A little problem to you might be a big problem to somebody else. You know what I mean? And you just kind of have to put that all into perspective. Life isn't perfect. Unfortunately, we aren't perfect as people and we have to, con- I think working on yourself is a constant thing. And as you get older, you kind of realize oh, I was dumb for doing that. Or, you know, I need to change that. So yeah, what just, yeah. you know, as you get older, you will see, oh, I should, you know, I shouldn't have done this and I shouldn't have done that. Or I got to stop doing this and to move forward. So that's good, man. Um, uh, I know yeah, a lot of people were like. The Forrest Gump, the Forrest Gump uh, section that I put in there that to um, about stop like him running, you know, for mm-hmm. days or whatever months or however he ran in the movie. And the whole point was, to get over your past, you have to, or you have to, I can't remember what the quote is. Something about you have to, Jesus Christ. Do you remember how it went? You have to. No. <laughs> I can't remember because the music was too loud. No. So Forrest Gump quote, you got it? You figured it out? Yeah. So um, to put the past behind you, I forgot. <laughs> To be <laughs> to go to forward, be able you have to, to move put... on. To be yes. able to move on, you have to put the past behind you. That was the point, right? Mm-hmm. So the movie he was running. In my life, I've been running by working, mm-hmm. right? So to be able to stop, I have to put my past behind me and figure out what the hell is where I'm at right now and where I want to go. That was the point of the video for me to figure that out. So otherwise, because if I don't do that, I will do this for the rest of my life. Okay. Because that's, that's your running. Yeah. That's your I, comfort would, I would never, I would never have uh, a sort of uh, lifelong relationship. I would never have a family. I would work until I die. That's what I would mm-hmm. do. So I had to sort of draw a line in the sand and, and say, okay, this 40s, that's it. Now I need to figure this out. I need to put the past behind me. I've run far enough now. 
Now I can move on. Second chapter, second half of my life. And what does that mean for me? That's what this uh, okay. video was about. Well, I, I wish you all the best in that. Every every person deserves to be happy, right? And you as well. As much of an asshole you are, you deserve to be happy. So, but just to, to reiterate, you aren't stop racing. You are going to race, but not on a like you're not going to DNC to try and race and be competitive. You're probably just going to run forty plus, right? I'll never go to DNC again. I think that it's such a shit race that I'm <sighs> over it. Seriously, we say that. Okay, every I get year, that. This, I, sorry, wrong example. This time it's really done. Yeah, wrong example. Yep, um, you're going to go to races and run forty plus. I'll do the forty plus euros. This year, I'll do the Nordics. This year, electric, eight-scale Euros, I'll do. That's pretty much it. And sometimes, if I think maybe if the Euros are on some really nice track, maybe I'll do it. I think Worlds I'll do because Worlds, the way the schedule is and everything, I can do it and still uh, pit for someone. Plus, there's the benefit of really knowing the track and the tires mm -hmm. and the setup and also being able to test things. That's really helpful at a race like the world. So I will race sometimes, but it won't be my focus. Right. Okay. We, we don't even, we're still not sure where the worlds are going to be. It's not been released yet, but mm -hmm. it's still sounding like it's going to be Brazil. Well, good, man. Um, I, I wish you all the best in it. You know, aside from that, we, we work together. We are friends, I think. And, um, you know, I do care about you. And everybody needs a little bit of help now and then. Hey, me, man. Like, my You need a lot of help. <laughs> yeah, my life is not all... My life is not all rainbows and unicorns, man. It is... It's real life happens. And this, you know... I, I'm I'm very fortunate that I got to live my dream, right? Or living my dream. But the dream isn't really... You know, people don't understand that the dream isn't always rainbows and unicorns. It's, it's I'm happy about what I can, I can do. But like anything, this you know, this is RC, and we always strive that it has to, you know, it would be nice for this to pay all the bills one day. So I get that. All right. Um, I think we're going to move on. We got to talk about IBC, stuff like that. Um, I wanted to touch on few, a few things before we do that. But first, we need to pay some bills. And one of those bills actually comes from you. I wish you would just uh, take 20 minutes and do a new one of these, um, these videos, ads, right? But here... The we're gonna do a touch on sorry, we're gonna to touch touch on a little bit of RC news brought to you by high tech RC and invisible speed. As soon as I find the invisible speed, there we go.
Thank you to Invisible C for the continu- continued support. We'd also like to thank High Tech RCD or High Tech USA as they celebrate their 50 years of being in business. Congratulations to High Tech and their contributions to the RC industry over the last 50 years. High Tech USA RCD has been a big supporter of the NNRC and myself over the and myself over the last two years, it's truly been a privilege to be working with such a company whose products I remember using myself 20 years ago when I was racing back home in Bermuda. Uh, they've been making a big push to get back into racing. I was just watching the social media there at the uh, Joe Knowles, which is a big fly-in event that actually uh, Michael and I stopped at on the way out to RCGP on 2019, in 2019 when I realized that RC aviation is completely much bigger then RC Racing, uh, and it's really good. They have some really great servers, new servers coming out, and the new RDX 1000 Pro 2 charger that they have, as well as the disc charger. I would like to thank Hitech for all the support and believing what we do here in what we do here at the NNRC. You can go to www.hitechrcd.com uh, about to find out more information. Also, you can go on there and find out where to buy, and you can get some Hitech products. Um, JQ also with the invisible speed ad that is not 20% off. This is from the Euros. Um, how's that real quick? Can you let us know how invisible speed going? I did touch in on your listen on your live. You touched on it a little bit where you're giving people homework and stuff like that. Um, how is that going for you? And you're out of books. You're completely sold out of books too. I believe your mic's muted. I have two books left in English. I have four. You have four. Okay, so there are six in circulation then in English. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, fr- French are sold out. We have Italian, Spanish, and German left. Right, but, but aren't course, you planning on rewriting a book, the book as well or adding some chapters to it? Yeah, so that's what I'll be doing here in the next um, month or so. Hopefully I'll get it done by midsummer. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. And for the course, in June, we'll have our next week of meetings. We'll go mm-hmm. over the homework. Hopefully, people have been working on their homework. I think we have to have a live this week to talk about it, Okay. check progress. Um, I think the course is really the best way to learn because it's interactive and there are a bunch of people. Now we had about 50 people in the, in the meetings. Really? About 20 in the first one and then 50 in the second one because I did two each day because Mm -hmm. of time zones. And to do the same sort of tests that other people do, then listen to their feedback, give your own feedback if you want to, that's really the best way to learn. And it's structured in a way where it's sort of not just a big mess of everything. No, there's like a specific... uh, order that we go through things so mm-hmm. you learn a bit and then you build on that knowledge for the next step and so on and so forth so i think it's the best way to learn but for some reason the book has been very popular but then the course people seem to be reluctant to join the people who have joined mostly have been happy satisfied so yeah hopefully hopefully that's something that we can change somehow by uh, promoting it better in the future. Yeah, but also I think the book is because people it's it's physical. You can take it. You know, oh, I need I have an issue. It's a lot easier. You know. Yeah, but I it's almost like there's something lost in translation with the course mm-hmm. because it's it's all the information is there, and you can watch videos whenever you want to. 
uh, or you can also join live videos, I mean, live meetings, or you can watch them afterwards. So I don't know. It just, well, to like me, I said, the course make, makes a lot more sense. Right. But it's, I think it's a lot easier at the track to just look in the book and use it. That, I'll be honest with you, my travels all through America, like a lot of people have your book, right? So yeah. and they have it at the track. And it's kind of like how you used to bring the hoodie guide with you to read and all that stuff. So good stuff. Keep up the good work. I have four. I think, I, I think I'm going to the nationals. I'm supposed to be. I am. So I might take them with me when I go there. And if anybody wants them, they could come up and buy one from me. Um, all right. So real quick, before we get into talking about IBC Philippine Masters, uh, we had the Afro 10 scale European warmups uh, while we was at IBC. And Bruno Coelho takes two-wheel drive, Orlowski second, Wesley Van, Hel- Van Helmen third. He's Dutch, right? He drives. So home track advantage. This track is, I didn't even know this track existed. It's actually pretty big. It's all AstroTurf. Orlowski takes four-wheel drive, Bear takes second, Bayer takes second, and Helmen takes third. Uh, so that was one of the big races that were happening while we was actually um, at Portugal. So, also, that's probably why we didn't see Bruno Coelho at this race, which would have been great to see him there. But, uh, yeah, good stuff with that. I think we'll start off. Um, did you want to talk anything about that before? I know you're not into 10 scale, but did you want to say anything about that before we move on? No, no the warm-up, no. No, okay. I know nothing about well, it. The warm-up this weekend coming up. And your protege... Mexico's favorite racer is going to come on and we're going to do a little recap. Oh, yeah? yeah. Any Europeans going? I don't know. I would think so. Um, but eh, when I talk to, I know like when I was talking to Angaro, he says he's going to the race, not going to the warm-ups. I know Ronald Falk's still kind of on the fence about going to the race. I just hope whoever wins isn't running their shocks upside down. <laughs> Hey, when I stopped at the, so I went to the carpet mats when I was, um, the carpet nationals when I was an American. And yes, the upside down shock thing has caught on in America as well. Yeah. yeah. So well, let me just say one thing. So the <laughs> whole video rebuttal, whatever you want to call it, the video I made, they replied to it, but their response yeah. was unacceptable. Not unacceptable. Accepted. They, yeah, they actually didn't address my points. They didn't test properly. Like, they ran a whole different piston and this and that. Um, yeah, okay. Why don't you take the time and actually do what I said you should do and then uh, <laughs> notice that uh, I was right. There we go. Hall yeah. Brothers. Uh, I, I actually probably need to get one of them on her on the podcast. Probably probably the younger one. Yeah. Uh, get them on her. But I have <laughs> to say big... that it's... Um, that, you know what? They're two separate things, actually. One, it's good that someone is actually making like quality videos on YouTube mm-hmm, for RC mm-hmm. that people can actually watch and learn stuff. And they are really fast. I mean, European champion isn't uh, the younger guy in two. Yeah, wheel. youngest, Tommy. So they're really fast on carpet and Astro, especially, which is kind of a, it used to be a niche. Now it's mainstream, unfortunately. But the fact that they are sort of sharing their knowledge and and uh, doing good videos, videos helpful quality good videos, videos, that's really good. Second thing, 
I actually, um, for the first time, sort of noticed that everything that I have been doing has actually had an impact. Mm. And the way I know that is that I watched some of the videos and like the terms that he uses to describe things are terms that I made up. Like I had never heard anyone use those terms really, but then I call them by that name, you know, and then he's like saying the same thing. So I think that, you know, maybe read the book, watched videos, you know, done own research, tested, and that's the whole idea. You mm -hmm. take what exists and then you work, you continue from that and come up with your own ideas and conclusions and stuff. So that's just something where I noticed like, okay, I think that they've been paying attention and here's the result. So that I actually was proud of that. Okay. <clears throat> that's good. For once. <clears throat> so people are paying attention to yeah. you, but that's, Someone actually that's true. Attention. That was cool. <clears throat> people do. People do. Actually, like I said, another thing is a lot of people complimented on your nitro, your nitro tuning video and a lot of your tuning uh, videos that you've done on YouTube. So, and of course, I know you can appreciate them doing it in a quality style, like good editing, good ads, like good additions makes the video a lot more pleasurable yeah. to watch. Yeah. So good job to those guys. All right, JQ. I, we, we have a bunch of questions. Do you want to go into questions first or do you want to go into talking about Philippine masters and IBC? Well, I would like to end this and finish rebuilding the car. <laughs> That's How not about the question. That? That's not the question. The question is, do you want to do questions first or do you want to talk about IBC? You know what? Let's do IBC and Philippine Masters while they're fresh on our brains. Uh, but with that said, we got to pay some bills. I'd like to thank you. Thank uh, Techno RC. Congratulations to Techno. Marco Barufalo won Silver State. That, we got to talk about that too. I was That was a surprise. Big surprise. Techno RC. Techno RC is a championship winning manufacturer of high performance A-scale, TED-scale, nitro, and electric RC buggies and trucks. With a worldwide dealer network, USA and Europe-based headquarters, comprehensive warranty program, and global race support, Techno RC is excellence in RC. View the full lineup of Techno RC race-proven vehicles by visiting www.technorc.com. Thank you to Techno RC for all the continued support. I don't know what Jakey is doing over there in the dark. Probably getting some part. Oh, getting a drink. It looks like, but uh, thank you to Techno RC for their continued support. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, congratulations to Marco Barufalo in Silver State. Want to talk about that real quick? I, I kind of have Silver State in our in our last segment to talk about on the hot race, so we'll wait for that. But uh, Joseph, so we had you. You traveled to two races. You went with Robert uh, to the Philippine Masters, which looked like a great event. I wanted to touch on that a little bit. Um, obviously, I talked to Zach and Ben and Scotty about it. But tell us a little bit about it. You flew over. Um, you was a race engineer. The track has moved. The track looks like way bigger than I know. It's moved, right? It's moved over a couple of hundred meters from where it used to be. Yeah, same area, but just moved a bit. I mean, the track looks way bigger than what it used to be. It's bigger. I mean, not that much bigger, I think, but mm -hmm. it's deeper. Yeah. So, right, goes out deeper. So Max and I were talking about this, how <clears throat> this track, with all the jumps and all that stuff, and obviously they use the molasses, 
it reminds like we only see these type of tracks over in Asia. Like when we thought of like the previous layout at that they had before, and then we thought about the Cinetic track and also the uh 2010's World track where Cody King won, right? Is it it seems like we World's only track. see these type of tracks? Excuse me. Yeah, that 2010 World's track was still more off-road than this. Yeah, they put right. something okay. down, but it they didn't make it so it was like all smooth. I'm talking about the jumps and stuff. The way the yeah, tracks yeah, are designed. Yeah. yeah, that's true. It seems to be an Asian Asian thing. The way they build them, lots of hip jumps, lots of lots of jumps. This track had a lot. Did you drive on the track at all, or just? I drove like, on a Monday a bit. Okay, so t- so tell us a little bit about when you got over there with Robert Ongaro. Robert Ongaro were the two fast guys going. Um, you had the thylacine was there, Jack Parsi, and a couple other fast guys from from. Australia must have been good to see the thylacine. He got a haircut while he was there. Then you had all the guys from New Zealand, Mark Johnson, and all them guys come down. So I know it got crazy there. Yeah, it it was good to meet all those guys again, Australians, New Zealanders. Uh, are they called New Zealanders? Zoolanders. Uh, New so Zealanders. it was good to meet them. Them, yes, and the first, that was the first time that I met uh, the Parsis family effort they actually were there the whole week <laughs> oh yeah i mean yeah that's crazy going to the track every day yeah it's, i heard that they were yeah. a hit like augie was telling me like right off the bat like everybody like jack yeah the marshals were cheering for him <laughs> like not while marshalling but i can't remember was it like the warm-up for some race or something that all the marshals were standing by the side of the track and like doing the wave and cheering when he would drive by. So yeah, <laughs> he had made an impression. Definitely. That was good. Yeah. He uh, seems like a very nice young man and his family seems very nice. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, uh, he was on the pace really fast. He had some unfortunate DNFs in qualifying, which relegated him to the B main. And then he was bumping to the A and, uh, Something happened. I think he flamed out. Oh, is he no, his uh, screw for throttle solo arm came out. Oh, oh no. that's it. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh no. Oh no, steering. Yeah, it was steering. Anyway, solo arm screw came off, and they fixed it, and then he went back out there, just missed the bump. But then he won the junior final. So I'm sure that was a great uh, experience for for them. First big mm-hmm. international mm-hmm. race like that. And then for the top, top guys, yeah, Ongaro and Robert were the two fastest guys, but I would say a bit surprising in the, not looking at the results, but if you looked a bit deeper, it was a bit surprising because Robert was actually the faster of the two. He seeded first, then in qualifying, he was on the way to TQ the first three rounds, failed every time first round crashed on the very last lap like close to the end crashed lost that four second lead or whatever he was clearly tq just bring it home and that's it then second and third rounds was also uh on tq pace winning the race they were in the same heat so it was easy to follow and then got ruined by the same back marker two times in a row and actually that brings me to a mini rant. I would just like to have this mini rant here before moving on. Okay. 
when you are announcing a race, especially if you are, you know, a very experienced and renowned announcer, when some when you are following a car, let's say that that driver is leading the qualifier and he's coming up to some traffic, don't just go leader, 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 and then oh no, after that inevitable crash. Okay, why not use your position and this opportunity to let the car know that the leader is coming. So green car going down the street and maybe even be a bit more specific, you know, because you know who the drivers are like, hey, Ben, Ben, driving down the street, leader is behind you. Make sure you let him by. Like, let the drivers know what's going on to avoid these kind of things from happening. Because every time uh, this would happen and I said announcer was not being very specific about what's actually happening. Like if I was that driver who took out the leader, I would not know from the rambling announcer that, oh, the leader's behind me. I need to let them go. Now, probably if I'm, you know, in that race, I will know that the leader without the announcer. But just like since you have an announcer, do that part of the job also. You know, that's that's my mini rant here. That was really annoying. I, I would agree with you there. <clears throat> we kind of kind of have to prevent that. That's, that's that's why we have referees. That's why I, I liked what Stitson done at the Worlds. He managed the race. More yes, than, you know. And and then then like a sh- short small follow up. Oh, when when you clearly have witnessed what just took place on the track, after that, if you are announcer and referee, why not hand down a penalty? Right, so you didn't do your job of actually calling for traffic. You just, you know, made a show about what act then transpired afterwards, and then afterwards you don't even give a penalty or anything. So it's like triple fail. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh my gosh. Okay, so but I would agree with you on that. That um, that's why we need referees, right? As well as yeah, RDs that's not to do this type of stuff. Yeah. I agree. Um, all right. So moving on to the actual, they said they had a 60-minute main, right? Or 45-minute? I can't remember. I can't remember either. But Robert, 60 minutes. I think it was 60 yeah, minutes. Yeah, it was 60 minutes. So with Robert Kleiner, he went out early because he had throttle server. No, sorry. He had his throttle server was glitching or something, right? He looked like yeah, he was first, driving super erratic. First lap. First lap. Yeah. I know, I know. And then he drove like that for about 30 minutes and then it finally gave up, correct? Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. So then Ronald, I mean, it's Ronald Falk. So Ongaro just drove away with it. Obviously, nobody really there to challenge him. He finishes the 60 minutes. Um, But yeah, I would say that it was good to have this race back as well. Um, I know it's not been her, I think the last race, well, 2019 RCGP, then COVID came and all that type of stuff. I heard you and CEO, CEO on all friends, which is good. Yeah, that's good. Seems to have uh, got over it. <laughs> With me, it's like I don't really, honestly, I'm not the ty- kind of person that holds grudges. Mm-hmm. It has to be something really bad for me to hold a grudge or some kind of principle take, like, okay, you know, I just don't want to deal with you because of this. But it, even then, it's like not. 
I don't actively sort of think about that person or dislike them. I'm just like, no, you don't need to be in my life at all. But yeah, well, it's good something to, like it's that. Good. Yeah, I don't hold grudges. So well, it's fine. good to mend bridges like that. I also <clears throat> know that you want to push to get more people to this race, like more top names to this race next year. Yeah, so we'll talk about this in our rant segment. Oh gosh, um, I have some things to say about you know not just not like this race in particular, but some recent developments in the RC industry. Uh, I have some things to say. All right, but, but yeah, for for this race, yeah, it's a good race, good sort of not quite season opener, but maybe for like season opener for Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for many countries, it's early in the year, big international race could be nice. Yeah, yeah, and also <clears throat> it kind of the date was kind of screwed because it was this Silver State, and then like right after Silver State, you had IBC. So it's three decent sized races. Well, Silver State was huge. Three big races right back to back at in three different parts of the world. So it's very hard to manufacture to plan that. So hopefully they I know Silver State's gonna be the same date or, or every year, apparently. So yeah. Hopefully they can um put it on a different date or you know a few weeks earlier so people can go to it. We'll see. But I would um it's definitely something I'd like to go to next year. We'll see. I've wanted to go to the Philippines for quite some time. How was the Philippines? So did you enjoy it? Like did you did you get some flashbacks? Did you do anything fun? You stayed there a little extra time. Yeah, so stayed a week after. Uh, that was nice. And I, I prob- probably shouldn't say on this podcast what the, my flashback was. It has to do with <laughs> like developing countries and bureaucracy and just how when you come from Scandinavia where everything works and everyone sort of has a high standard of living, education, you can maybe extrapolate from what I just said, the kind of issues I had with the Philippines, Philippines being a sort of less developed country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had those kind of flashbacks. And it reminded me of why I would not be able to live over there for extended periods of time because I would end up murdering someone. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I know it's I've I've lived there too, as well. Sorry, I live in a very similar type of country. I think the Dominican Republic and the Philippines are very similar, similar rates, similar like prices and stuff like that. And you are not alone. There are many. Uh, foreigners that come down here and they just don't they they, with the same ideas they come down they want to assimilate they want to come down here but they never really assimilate or get used to how things are done here and some people just can't handle that you know the people that can adjust and assimilate and understand like hey this is how things work here still keep your 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 way of thinking in your brain but just understand how things work really let's put it like this this is how this is the way that things don't work here but it's just the way it is yeah, but that's just the way it is. That's a better that's way just, of saying. Not like this is how things is. work here. No, this is how things don't work here. This is how it is. I think. That's well, that's fine. You don't. You know what? Absolutely. You don't have to go there and live anymore. You just have yeah. to go visit. So you don't have to do that no more. But did you, you? What did you do? Anything different? Did you enjoy it? You know, you did spend a week there. Um, did you yeah, get to was, see anything different? Like fun. as a tourist, uh, 
Yeah, there's a really good place like three hours south of Manila. Mm -hmm. Super nice location and yeah, just chilled there for a week. So you flew uh, directly from Finland there? Yeah. Oh, one straight flight? How long was that? Uh, no, no, sorry, sorry. So via Hong Kong, Finland, okay. Hong Kong, and and on the <clears throat> way back, Singapore. Okay, okay. Well, that's a long flight. That's a long freaking flight, man. Uh, and it was. It looked like a good race. I hope we do get some big, more big names there next year. It'd be good to that Asia has one of these <clears throat> these races that everybody attends. And um, I actually hope to be there next year. So we'll see what happens with that. All right, JQ. Um, do you want to, I'm going to go on. We're going to talk about IBC. Then we'll touch on Silver State. Your thoughts on Silver State real quick, even though we recapped it, uh, especially with Marufalo winning. Uh, with that said, we're going to pay some bills. I would like to say thank you to Clinic RC and Racetech Engines for all their support. And uh, here we go. Try out Clinic RC. At, get some Racetech Engines at clinicrc.com or check out more of Clinic's awesome stuff. Thank you to Clinic RC for all their support. JQ, we was in, dude. So it's been about six years now, coming up on six years that we've been, I started working with you as JQ manager. And I remember just reaching over as we was drinking some super box, which I really enjoy. Uh, $1, one euro super box, the small ones. And I was like, JQ, I mean, we're in Portugal together. I thought that was cool. Cause this is, um, to be honest, this is a, re a race that I've watched for a few years, the track. Uh, obviously we had the Euros there last year and it's a race and a track that I've wanted to go to. So at, at DNC, uh, Mr. Duras, who, who actually organized all of this, he was there as Jao Figueiredo's mechanic. And he goes, Hey, you know, it just started out with, he wanted, wanted me to promote the race on the podcast. And then that quickly turned into, Hey, we want to get you here to do your NNRC thing, but as well to commentate on the live stream. So I was like, sure, let's do it. So I was super happy to get over to JQ. Stop working on the car and listen to me. Pay attention. Right. And uh, we, I was super pumped to go there. Obviously, uh, I think also if there, uh, there was a lot of other racing going on. Because what's happened is that Europe's open for racing now. It's summertime, getting up in summer. So all the cold, all the, you know, people that were in for winter, they're able to race. So we had the Euro warm ups in Holland. And then you had the BRCA Nationals that were going the first round that went on at Hearts, so like no boots, no skidmores. That that happened this weekend, that same weekend, and then um oh the French had an e-buggy Nationals or something. So it wasn't as many European top drivers there because they were out spread out doing their own uh, individual country series, national series, or they had been at the warm up. So, but it did have a a good decent amount of com of competition. We had. Um, Angaro, Ranafalk, Canas, Barton, um, Badier, and then we all Fioredo because he, he was really fast at this race. And who else would you consider like then we then we had like racers like that are fast but Jessica not on that Paulson. level? Excuse me, Jessica Paulson. Oh, yeah, we had Jessica Paulson as well. Your nemesis that beat you, yeah. but anyway, um, you know what? I'm not done with Philippine Masters yet. 
I let you had I let you have your advert and all that, and now you you're talking about Portugal. I still want to say something about Philippine Masters. Why didn't you stop me after the advert? I was busy working. We can we can say this later. All right. So, no, yeah, I'm going to say it right now. Stop working on the car and tell me what I'm you have to say. say it right so can, now. Okay. You said about other international drivers going to Philippine Masters. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Here's the thing. If there's one race in Asia that would be easy and logical to go to, that would be it. Yes. So you fly in. You don't need a rental car. They take care of everything, drive you to the hotel, or you get an Airbnb. It's five minutes from the track is an area with all the restaurants. And and uh, also, if you are non-Asian and want to eat Western food, you get that there. Shopping malls, everything. Everything is in that one area, right? Five minutes from the track. That's where we got an Airbnb and stayed. Hotel is right across the street. Tracks are always good. Weather is always good. Everyone's uh, nice and friendly, if, unless you try to organize an RCGP there. Uh, so that would be the race to go to. And also okay. for our American friends, it's safe. It's safer than any American city. So uh, take that. Well, thank you. That's a great endorsement from you, JQ. Good stuff. Uh, yeah. Stop wrenching on the damn car. If you use that screwdriver one more time, I'm going to shove it where the sun don't shine. Did you hear that? Yes, that I heard you. that. Yeah. All right. Uh, so International Buggy Challenge, as I said, this started out with Mr. Doras message, uh, meeting him at DNC, then going, you know, actually going there. Uh, I actually, so I did 12 days in America, five days home, roughly. And then I was on a plane uh, over to Madrid and then to Porto. That's the closest airport that you fly into. A beautiful city, too, uh, that I got a tour of on the last day by Mr. Figueredo, who is a very nice gentleman. I like him, has some good ideas. <clears throat> uh, but Portugal has always been a country I've wanted to go to. Uh, I grew up around a big Portuguese culture in Bermuda. It's like uh, I remember just having friends that were from mostly from Azores, so it's a little different but also someone from Portugal. So I just remember coming, like going to their houses and they always had fresh bread made by their mom and they always had like fresh food. And uh, yeah, we have a, you know, just in Bermuda, it's a, it's a different culture. We, we grew up around the Salty Joe's Portuguese. He's never been to Portugal. He's been to Azores plenty of times, but never been to Portugal. Um, and it's like, I'm going to this race next year. He should have went this year. So we flew into just, you know, I, it was everything that I expected Portugal to be. Like I re I kept telling you, I like this country. I like this country. Barcelona is beautiful. I like it there. The temperatures are great. I know it is it, it's gets hot in the summer, but right there that day was there. Yeah, I probably could have wore a hoodie at nighttime, but I didn't bring one. But it was bearable. Uh Barcelona's pretty, pretty city, old, very old. You know, that's the one thing I like about that. And Porto as well. You can see all the old, like you can see the history in the buildings. So I really enjoyed that. The people were very nice as well. Uh, but we had a race to put on at this facility that's tucked away. Like, I, you know, I know we always say that RC facilities are kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And there's no difference with this, but it is in the middle of like farmland. It's got beautiful vineyards uh, around it and all that type of stuff. But those, they have really built an incredible facility there. That is the Barcelona's Buggy Arena. They're in Quinta de Tulips, del Tulips. Uh, Barcelos. It is it is probably one of the best RC tax facilities I've been to. Okay, I'm gonna now 
I don't know. Maybe it's my new life. I'm going to give another shout out. Okay. Okay. See, the thing we need to do in RC is support the people who actually do something positive for our industry and our sport. And, and not just support the ones who just care about entries and money. So these guys you know, at IBC, they really love RC. And they want mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. build a facility that can host races that are enjoyable and fun and, uh, and a nice experience for the races. It's not just about, hey, how can we figure out to make more money with our race we have here? No, they are spending money on. on well, the I know they didn't make any money at this race. And, yeah, and and it's for the love of the sport or hobby, mm-hmm. right? So the track, driver stand, the facilities, like when you line up to go drive, you have the posters of all the past yeah, European so cool. championships and world championships, pictures from the race, the results, all that stuff. Uh, like technical inspection is really well done, how they planned that whole thing out, where you put the cars mm-hmm. in, where you get the cars out. There's a sort of... A, there's two different food vendors at the bottom of the track, one more at the top of the track, coffee, beer, snacks, all these small cakes and stuff and uh, kebabs, all that stuff, right? It's this enclosed area, enclosed space with the track, the pits and restaurant area and all of this. And everything Mm -hmm. is done to accommodate the races. So this would be the type of place that you would go to host a big international race. If mm-hmm. we were in Europe and we would have Asians fly in and uh, Australians, New Zealanders, South American guys, American guys, everyone, like if we would all go to some race, it should be at a premier facility like this. Because mm-hmm. you know that when they have an even bigger race and an international audience, they would go even further, one step further, making it a great event. Okay. So that's what I think um, we need to focus on and who we need to support, more so than just the guys who want to maximize entries. How how about we go to these kind of uh, tracks and facilities that are run by people who actually care about the hobby, care about uh, improving it for the races, right? Mm -hmm. I think we should do that. I think we should support... I think we should, but to say on the other side of things for other people as well, not all, not every race and not every facility can be like this. You know what I mean? So there are races that they, they are put on. They have to make money. They have bills to pay. This track is more like supported by, I'd say the club, the people that work there, obviously uh, figurators have put a lot of money and time into it as well, because exactly like you said, they have a super passion for RC and they want to get people there racing from outside of portugal you know i think i'm the first like person from like not that isn't european that's been there to a race like i i obviously i didn't race but you know i was brought there to do my if you want to see more about it by the way i did a pretty good facility walk and track walk of it you can find it on the nnrc youtube um but absolutely beautiful i really like you have you know what we have all the history of the worlds right there like there's nowhere else you can find all that history in one place 
like every single worlds we've had and then every single european championships that we have and then they had every single ibc that they had and i thought that was really cool i think mr duras done that and he said it took me so so long to get this all done and get this all fine and find all this information and put it together yeah but so i you know thought what? it was right what up as good as it was i was mad about one small detail oh gosh i can't sorry that was a mistake <laughs> I, i can't remember the year but one of the years i made the main at the euros but something happened and i finished 11th but for that year they only listed 10 in the results <laughs> so it looked like i didn't make the main that year but i know i did was this well, the 2017 the race no, no you didn't finish I last in 2017 10. no i was i i bent a drive shaft but i finished i think i was 11th there also but still like that year 12 people made the main but they only listed 10 I was very mad about that. <laughs> of course you are. But it's also yeah. just, it's really good. Like, you get to see, like, I got to see, like, there was a damn, they, we had pit uh, fuel sticks back in, like, 1986 at the first Worlds. I thought that was so cool. It was all out of aluminum. But uh, I remember just always, walk, when I would walk across there, I would just stop for, a few, like, a, a minute or so and just look at something different, you know? And that's really fun to do you know so you have that little history coming in there but yeah beautiful facility they have everything they have a room like where i was sitting is like i don't know what it was beautiful the stands huge like it's got enough space for everybody um and this you can see that this track is just uh this facility has a lot of thoughts been going to it a lot of care a lot of passion and that in it for the long run and it seems like you know they're there in portugal they're really trying to push to get people racing again as well so let's talk about the track. So I, I like watching this video. I've watched so much video and live stream of this track. Um, actually, during the Euros, I was doing a virtual uh, virtual co-hosting with RC Racing TV. But nothing prepared me for how much elevation this track is. I was so shocked when I got there and saw how steep coming into pit lane and coming down that straightaway really is and how the highest point, like the highest point in the track is almost, you're pretty much on the level of the floor of the driver stand. Yeah, it's so deceiving always on video and pictures. Uh, it, but to be honest, like yes, the track is spectacular, looks awesome. I, I hate these modern tracks. Like the, how the surface is and high grip and smooth. It's just... Uh, I didn't miss even driving, to be honest. At that well, race. you weren't there to drive. Yeah, but I, know, but I think I I but it, what's it. happened is, I, but this is the way RC's going, right? I mean, we're getting more and more of these tracks. Uh, there, there's room for all of them. I mean, look at Silver State, how rough and bumpy that was compared to this. Completely different. But uh, so for those, uh, and it seems like it's funny because a lot of the American people kind of just, I don't know if they just discovered this track for the first time. But like they saw a couple of reels that I done, and it was like, wow, look at this track, and you know, got a lot of comments. Even Roma was like, wow, that's a track I drive on. I was like, cool, because we want the Americans to get interested and come over there. But for people to know, this track is actually sealed with glue, so it's a mix of water and like Elmer's glue, like white glue. They mix it and then they coat this track with it, and it's been coated so because the layout's been there for quite a while. Because this is a European track, they don't change the layout much. But it's a super busy, uh, busy layout, by the way. Uh, and then it's, but they it's did for, say that for next year, yes. if we get an inter international crowd, then they would do a new layout. 
they would uh, do a new layout. Exactly. So they can't explain the process, how they do the gluing and all that stuff. And the track, like we did it, we had a glue tracker and I know glue tracks aren't something new. They've ha- we've had them across the world. But what they did is they sealed the whole entire track. So even that red stuff, the red infield stays red. I mean, some places it came up, um, but you know how like a track will look all nice with a nice colored infield and by like day one, end of day one, it's like all the same color, like not as good looking because they don't, but they sealed it all. There's absolutely no dust once it's sealed, unless it, what things like happened, what did, what happened here was like some of the jump faces actually broke up and then it put some dust on the track. Jake, you stop wrenching on that car. Damn it. And um, man, it's, I like it. Yeah, you can. I know I'm number one. I know I'm number one. I actually like this track. It actually didn't get as so. One of the things about this was that it wasn't as hot as it was at the Euros per se. It was very cool, and there wasn't as many cars as well. And there had they had e buggy as well. So the track never really formed that greasy line that allows those guys to actually go faster and the cars to be a little bit more free because this. This track actually probably has too much traction at that point. You can see, uh, you know, guys are trying to numb their card on, or like if you just make a quick mistake, it just ra- it will reach up and bite you in the ass real quick. And we saw that quite a few times with the high traction that was there. And then obviously we heard from people that ran the track last year how it didn't get that groove. Like you could even see it when you was out there. It did near the end of the day on Sunday, got that groove, but didn't get that dark, greasy, rubbery, exhaust groove that would have made the track like better 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 when i mean that like the cars you actually at this point you wanted to have traction taken away so you wanted the cars to be able to uh slide a little bit and that's what that greasy line would have done would you agree with that jq unmute your mic yeah i would agree with that because i told you that no but no 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 no. i already had known that all that time (laughs) i already knew that i already knew that but it definitely But it did. This what happened this time was that we did get dust from the uh, breaking up of the some of the jumps. I mean, they did fix and patch those at night, but that actually caused some havoc. But then I remember, like, it was so much wind at one point that it blew all the dust away. You know, it yeah. got windy and it would blow the dust. And then it, if it wasn't windy, then the dust was settled there. And I think some guys actually experimented on pin tires at some point. Yeah, some. I mean. Ongaro tends to run different tires to other people. He ran a double-down-looking tire. Mm-hmm. Um, the hot race guys were running that bar tire, Sahara. I mean, it, it was between those types of tires. like so pin, Small, as a, as small a, pin, close together, or bar tire. That's what right. people ran. And as a race engineer, with this track being so high traction and all this type of stuff, what are you what are guys what are you doing to cars to make them battle on this track or comfortable this kind of surface is really difficult i'd say and also this kind of surface the setup is really important it sort of limits how fast you can go uh i think really thick diffs shocks are very important um, we ran quite heavy damping. We used the ultimate seven hole piston with the angled holes. Uh, we 
have to find the balance of making the car sort of soft so that it allows for roll and allows for the driver to re- react to changes, respond to how the car is uh, rolling in the corner instead of it just catching and flipping over, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't just make it stiff as a plank and no movement. You need it to roll, but you then want it to just roll the right amount also. So mm-hmm. it's really tricky to get that right, I would say. Kanas uh, and Ongaro, I would say that it's no surprise to see them fight it out for the win because when there is a track like this that is quite depend, I would say dependent on setup, because when you have a track like Silver State, it is very important to drive well. So setup matters, but it matters less, right? You can make up so much by just I know what you how mean by you driving. drive, how you mm-hmm. drive the bumps and jumps and everything that you do as a driver. When the more the closer to on road that we get, on road would be just high grip flat, right? This this is a bit of 3D because of you know the corner hips and jumps and stuff, yes. But with the surface being so uniform, setup matters more than at Silver State, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. as a driver, you can't really make up for stuff that the car just isn't doing. Like everyone, if everyone uh can drive a flat hairpin at a certain speed you can't make a bad car somehow faster through there. Like you can't take a bigger risk and go faster. No, you have to improve your car to go faster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So because of that, drivers who spend a lot of time practicing and testing and perfecting their setup for themselves, as I know Kanas and Ongaro do, that's why they are so consistent and so fast in this kind of situation. Because if if you look at like go to DNC, track blows out, you have to adapt. Oh, there's a new hole here. You know, they won't. They wouldn't be the two dominant guys. They would be just another fast guy, right? Mm-hmm. But you can bring any drivers to this track, and they will be the two dominant guys because that's what they have done. They figured out the cars for themselves. They are in tune with the car, and they can make it work very well in those conditions. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you there. I mean, but it kind of was kind of obvious. I mean, Angaro looked fast right from the beginning, but I, I felt that Juan Carlos Canas was just the fastest guy all weekend. You know, he was when you, I mean, I think he, he TQ'd uh, buggy in three straight TQs and um, Angaro do like e-buggy, but it was a fight. But man, I was watching Canas. And I just said, I said, this guy's like, he's driving angry. Like, he's just, just, you know, like, man, he would come off that, you know, that triple that was on the second lane on the front of the driver's stand. And he would just slam his car down there and be like, like back on the throttle, right up the hill through that chicane. That chicane was super hard because it's actually on an angle. You can't, it's really steep too. When you walk on it, if you just go a little wide, if you had dust on there, you just slide right to the bottom. And he was just super, like, aggressive. Really, really aggressive. And and Angaro still looked the same. Like, you know, Angaro looks like he's out just having fun sometimes. 
when he's on tracks like this. He's just, you know, his car is up there, it's whipping, it's doing this type of stuff. He's just like in complete control. But um, other fast people was Robert was fast. Ricky uh, Berton was fast in qualifying and practice. Uh, Joao Figueredo was impressively fast. I mean, yes, this is his home track. He's had lots of laps around it, but he's also the only Kyosho and he's the only person on Proline Robert, I believe, at this track. But super fast. And we got some really good racing out of this. We had five qualifiers, uh, I think like seven practice sessions. So it was uh, like a lot of track time. I think Ronald said he got three and a half hours of runtime with both cars at the end of the, before the mains. Basically, at this race, you do about as much as you do at DNC in five years. So. <laughs> I mean, you're not exaggerating. It, you definitely yeah, exactly. got a lot of runtime. You definitely that's got a lot of runtime. Like a joke. That's not even a joke. All right, stop figuring stuff around. Stop. Because it's getting too loud, too noisy. Just stop for a second. You're getting on my nerves. Um, but we'll we'll talk about the racing that was so we have to talk about Robert was the fastest Mayako there this weekend. That that weekend. He was faster than Ronafalk this weekend, which was which was a bit of a shock. I know that was for a lot of people because Ronafalk won the Euros her. Mind you, the track was different. He was also on different tires last year. He was on the hot race tires or whatever he wanted. I believe he wanted a hot race. But it just it seemed like Ronafalk had some pace, but was not as comfortable, nowhere near as comfortable as those other guys out there. And when he, I remember him talking about it afterwards, you know, as well. So I guess you'll start with, do you want to start with just talking about what you thought about Ronafalk and his issues and, and Robert, and then we can go on and talk about the racing? Because that was the, the big talking coming out of there. Obviously, was Ronafalk wins the Euros there last year. I think he finished seven, six this year. Mind you, in the main, he he got punted. I think Montaro took him out on that that double. Like Montaro jumped this double single and he took him out there. And then he flamed out coming over that. But I'll be honest, I just never saw that. You know how like at the Worlds, he like and at the Euros, he was just like the Viking, like like he just he put his head down and and got got where he had to do. I never saw that really happening this weekend. Uh, no, I think that um, I think that the biggest difference uh, was that the grip was so much higher now than mm-hmm. at the Euros because it in early sort of practice at the Euros and even qualifying he wasn't fast he. No, no, he was fast, but he wasn't that consistent. Like right. every qualifier, every practice, like he that. would have a crash. And he wasn't quite comfortable with the car. And then towards the end of the race, like semifinal and then the final, what actually happened was that we made small adjustments to the car, which helped. But also the track got greasier. It was so hot. Mm-hmm. Track got greasier. They started running uh, softer tires. And then that, that's what made it so everything was perfect and mm-hmm. main was dialed. Now the issue was uh, the grip always stayed high. Mm-hmm. So he was like at the Euros would be the first sort of practicing for early qualifying where even then he wasn't 100% satisfied. So that, but now it was the whole race was like that. And then also he's running different tires now. So... 
I don't know how big of a difference that would be running hot race versus uh, uh, metrics. Robert ran a hot race at this race. Robert's running the same car. He was faster at this race. Mm-hmm. If you look at the pace, um, I think realistically at this race in the main, I think David would have finished fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was third? Maybe. Oh, uh, yeah. Figueredo. Maybe, maybe it could have been third. Like third would be maximum. Win was mm-hmm. not in the cards this time. Uh, he was in a position to at least be fourth uh, when he flamed out. He ju- jumped past the triple, actually, and landed flat, and that flamed out the engine. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just probably landing hard on idle, and uh, that's why he flamed. So I think that for conditions like that, we would just need to test a bit more to mm-hmm. make sure that the car with those tires is comfortable for, for him. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the only solution, really. Like, there's no magic bullet. There wasn't anything that was clearly wrong or bad. It's just that, you know, need some more track time and really feel as one with the car and the tires and that's it and for right because yeah right well so just before we go into robert because everybody would say well angara was fast right but angara made uncharacteristic mistakes too but i also wanted to say something that also that angara's also been racing a lot on these tires and he's down there in italy with the people that are making these tires is going to the track with very polito too right so he's had a lot more time on these tires than Ronafalk has. I think Ronafalk just really started his season at this race. You know, yes, he did DNC, he's done a couple of other races as well. So I think that's really helping helped Angaro out. He's had plenty of time down there doing this like local races in Italy and whatnot, using those races to get and and probably going to the track quite a lot to tune his car to these tires as well. Uh, well, you can't really compare to Ongaro, I think, because he runs so differently. Like, for example, at the Worlds, if you remember, for some reason in practice and seeding, I think even the first qualifying round, AKA was really good. And mm-hmm. I, I say it was good because those drive like Lutz and was Thibaut still AKA? Yeah, he was still on AKA. Thibaut and Ongaro and someone, was there even a fourth guy? I just re- remember that it was a clear thing that the AKA driver, Savoya, yeah, did I say that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The he AKA drivers him. were fast, you know, top 10, multiple people, top 15. Like, clearly, there was something in the tires. Then all the other AKA guys faded except Ongaro. He sort of almost went faster. And all the other AKA guys who were really good started struggling, you know, when the track changed. So also at the Worlds, I remember David was free. He could run whatever tire he wanted. So at one point he tried the double down that Ongara was uh, running and it was terrible. So I don't think that you can really look at what Ongaro is doing and then make a judgment that, okay, you should run these tires or this is good. Because the way he drives and the way he sets his car up is so different that his requirements are different. 
Mm. Uh, so I wouldn't really. I I think with Hongaro it's more a case of you can judge equipment uh, as this thing that he's using is good for him. That's it. But okay. uh, I think maybe a more realistic thing to look at is Polito. Polito was struggling early, but then, you know, saved his race in the mains and had a good main. Uh, he also runs Matrix. So, I mean, if he has such a strong race, then I think that they are are capable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like I said, I, I wouldn't say that there's one particular thing that you can look at and say like, oh, well, this is why he wasn't on the pace at this race. I think it's mm-hmm. more the package, everything, you know, mm-hmm. uh, putting in that time at the track to figure all the different pieces out and then going to the race confident, ready, and then performing. That's yeah. Yep. That's I would agree there. I would agree there. I, I, I'm not too worried about the Viking. I'm sure he'll put his head down and does what has, does what have to be done. One thing about not doing well, it definitely motivates you to want to do better. So um, I, I, I have no worries about that with him. He just needs to, I think he just needs to get out there and get time, like time on these tires, time and, and learn his package, you know, get his package. He was quite comfortable last year with his package. And, you know, yeah, I agree with you. Now let's talk about yeah. Bobby real quick because Bobby actually was really fast. He goes, "Hey, Lefty, did you see what I done?" <laughs> like, I said, like, "Well, what did you do?" He's like, "I did a Bobby's." I said, "I said you do a Bob stomp," and he goes, "Yes." That was so funny. And when he, you know what? Excuse, I'm not gonna say who he did it to, but when he did it, he oh, goes, I, "When he can hit I Paulson. Say, yeah, go ahead. I'm he hit Paulson. Say, yeah, <laughs> I was, I was marshalling. I forgot about this. I was marshalling. Uh, because it was an e-buggy, it was e-buggy main. Or I think so. So that, so that mechanics had to marshal, or mm-hmm. they had to have their own marshals. So no, it was qualifying. It was qualifying because the whole thing was that uh, Robert caught up to Jessica, and Jessica wouldn't let him buy, and it happened like mm. twice or three times, or maybe it was like the third time. I think in the same race. <laughs> what I saw was. I saw that Robert was getting frustrated and he tried some banzai move to get by, but it failed. His car went up on two wheels. So then instead of sort of recovering and then catching up again, he just thought, okay, I'm done. So he stopped, hesitated for a moment. Jessica did a chicane, turned left, accelerated up the hill. Robert just pinned it, jumped the pipe, T-bound Jessica, and they flew off the track. And I was... I mean, <laughs> he goes. I know it's that it's not supposed to happen, but it was funny how he he, he goes, and then he goes. The referee talked to me, and I was like, mm, like he didn't do it, and he goes. <laughs> yeah. But if I didn't hit her, I would have went off the track. <laughs> That's <funny>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was so blatant, and I just started laughing, and I was thinking like I shouldn't laugh now because now everyone's gonna see that I'm laughing at what just happened, and I should be like, no, Robert, bad boy, don't do that. And yeah, it was bad, but I can understand the level of frustration that was going on in this situation. And it's, it's, I would say it's a bit out of character for Robert to do that. Normally he goes nuts, yes, but kind of on himself or just flying off the track, not blatantly taking out other drivers like that. But yeah, so that, that happened. It was definitely a moment of, uh, of rage. Yeah, he Bobby stumped her. Uh, but he he was impressive. Unfortunate for him and his main. 
uh, he he had his clunk come off like before his first pit stop, or it must have come off at some point, and he he flamed out before his first pit stop, and then yeah. he had this his huh? Yeah, but he also went too long. I don't know why. Eight forty five when he flamed out. So there is that. Know. It was unfortunate, and then I think his servo went again or whatever his throttle yeah. servo event. He thinks he has some voodoo on him right now. That's what he said when he was up in the pits. But he was definitely... So what did you think about Robert and his potential? What do you think Robert could have done? I think that um, it, Robert's situation... I look to Robert for a good result at the Euros. That's really the main focus. And all these other races, there's too much going on right now in his life. All that mm-hmm. changes and working with Mayako and he's not really fully prepared for the races like mm-hmm. mentally equipment wise every like he didn't have the right tires for example and you know <laughs> these kind of things uh so for the euros the full focus is just to prepare the equipment practice find the setup be confident mentally be fresh and ready to go to the euros and and win the Euros. That's the that's where I think he can do well. Right? Yeah. All of these other races, it doesn't really matter. It's not a big deal. It's just learning stuff for the Euros. That's how I would look at Robert's current situation. I think that he has a f- few more years in racing and mm-hmm. um the focus will be on a few races within those years. So I think Philippi Masters was a win in the sense that his pace was very good. Uh, the results didn't show it, but it was positive. The pace was good. IBC, different track. He got the car to where he was comfortable and he was fast. Yeah, the result doesn't show it, but it's one more building block, you know. So it's a bit different. Like his situation is different from Rone Falk's. Mm-hmm. Rone Falk is the Kanas, the Ongaro, the guy that... He goes to the race. He's supposed to win it. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's all. Robert, it's different. He he would have his job even if he didn't race that race. Right, right. right? I get that. I get other that. priorities. And then we focus on the few big important races where he's sort of ready to actually try to win them. Yeah. But it was so fun that, there with I him. He, I want to say thank you to Bob. He, he bought me this nice hot race hat. Uh, really happy about that. I uh, got to meet Sergio for the first time, his mechanic, like really. And then the young kid, Iker, who's really good, who looks too big to be 14. A uh, little, he, his results wasn't, he should have been in Maine, I think, or the semis at least. Uh, but let's talk about the Maine, I would say. Let's talk about, let's talk about Eve, because Eve, we had, we had a lot of great racing, right? So we had, uh, they had, so we had e-buggies. So they had, I'm a, I'm a bit shocked they didn't have bomb pops, but they did have three B mains, right? So they had three B mains, three A mains. E-buggy races were great because I think uh, Ongaro took number one, right? He kind of went, Kanas tried to chase him down, but couldn't take overtake him anywhere. And then the second heat, second race, it was a battle between Ongaro and Kanas. And Kanas, I mean, we saw like Ongaro going out and doing the triple at the end of the straightaway, which he's the only person that did it in a race, I, but I could recall. And he almost pulled it off a few times. Uh, I think one of the last time he tried it, he kind of hit um, Kanas and had it, let him go by. But Kanas ended up winning the e-buggy final in the last two mains. They, they gave us two good races, three good races, sorry. So that was exciting. 
And then we had in the Nitro buggy, so they had, obviously, this is Ifmar style, so it's, it was, I think we had an eighth final, at the most, an eighth, a quarter, and then a, half, a semi. So, seven and seven, then from each semi, and then uh, two from the LCQ. They had a 15-minute LCQ, which I thought was great. I love LCQs. They make for great racing. I forget who bumped up from the LCQ, to be honest. But the grid was set, and for the first time in a long time, like the fast, huh? I think some kid bumped. Yeah, I'll find out in a minute. So, oh, I forgot. We also had, like, the Parente is her as well. I think Parente's brother made it, maybe? Let me see. Um, But anyway, let's see. LCQ. It was Carlos Duras and Gabriel Esterino, the young kid from... The young kid from Italy, and then Carlos Duras, my hero, who took out Ryan Lutz at not because he took out Lutz, but it was just an epic block bump pass he did at Montpellier in 2020. I uh, got to meet him, so they bumped up, and for the first time in a long time, we saw the fastest like Canasso's TQ. He ended up starting TQ. You know what I mean? He started in the first. All right, yes, it's it's a car. You've been building it while we've been talking. Yes, I know, I know. Green for Pecco, right? Green for Pecco. So they start, we have a 45-minute final. They start, and I think, uh, like, I don't know what, I don't know if he was going to see somebody just like, it was thoughts like, hey, maybe Ongaro is going to just walk away with this, or Kanas is just going to walk away with it. But it wasn't. It was like a three-way, I think it was Kanas, Ongaro, if I remember correctly, and then y'all was still, like, y'all got a good start too. So it was like, Y'all was kind of mixing it up at one point, like at the first five, five or so minutes, like you had five to six cars. Oh, like, so you had Kness and Angaro out a little bit in front of everybody, but then it was like third, fourth, fifth, six, all right behind each other. Right. And I think uh, someone made a mistake and that allowed y'all to come up and got a little while uh, out a little further. And, but he was so impressively fast. Right. And then Angaro was getting really long. Right, which is which is surprising because at the worlds he wanted to go short because he liked the way his car felt, you know, with more fuel in it. But at this race he went long. Canas went, I think, a couple of laps. He went a little bit shorter than him, but Figueredo was on seven and a half, I believe. So it was it. This was not. I'll be honest with you. It was probably one of the most exciting forty-five minute races I've watched. Yes, it didn't have all the big names in it, but it had a great battle the entire time. Like there was no run away with a lead. It always changed. You know, Angaro will get out there a little bit and you think, okay, he's going to pull, then he'll make a mistake, right? And then y'all, I remember near the end, y'all was able to like catch him up, overtake him on pit stops, right? And he got out there, he was in the lead, then he made that big, he made that one mistake, like where the turn march had to come get him and that was all over for him. But man, I was going crazy for y'all figuring. I wanted him to win. It was so crazy because when he'll come up by the you know, up by the top there, the people on the stand started wave, doing a wave and all that time. Every time his car came by, a churn for his car. And then, like, out of nowhere, like, I'm thinking, Angara's got this, right? He gets out to the lead. Kanas is a little far behind. Not far, but, you know, not enough to make a challenge. And then Angara made that mistake over on the, uh, I, think, I think it was on the left side of the track, maybe. I can't remember because I didn't see it. But he made that mistake, and then, and then Kanas was there, like, Boom, like right on him. 
Then he made that other mistake and Kanas got by him and they gave us probably the best two laps of a finishing race you could find, I would say. No, so, I mean, Ongaro had the lead and Kanas was catching because he was started pushing like crazy in the end. Mm-hmm. But then Ongaro rolled on that back right hip thing. Right. That's where he rolled on his wheels, but he lost time and that's where Kanas got close enough to where there was a chance, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and then they battled. But then what decided the race was so crazy because... When they're coming uh, on the hill. Yeah, so when they came down the hill on the front straight, Ongaro clipped the pipe, so he lost... And did a wheelie, like, I was like, wow, that was so cool. a bit and He had to let it down, and then Kanas had better speed. So now the advantage was kind of in Kanas' hands, even though he was still behind. So what I think kind of happened was the speed that Kanas was coming and he was going a bit wide maybe Ongaro hesitated and was wondered like is he going to jump that thing at the end of the straight or what so he actually messed up the corner he went a bit wide and then Kanas cut down behind him on the inside mm-hmm. but but it all happened so quick and it was such a good pass that it was amazing you know, it I know. Was completely clean they didn't touch or anything but it was just such a great move in a sort of unexpected place really to pass at mm-hmm. the end of the straight. like that. I know exactly what you're saying because it, it did really look good. like, I, I remember that because Angaro, I'm calling the race, so this is all going by super fast, right? I'm freaking out and it, <laughs> anybody who heard it heard me, I'm like, oh, I was going nuts. But he did exactly what you said. He went that little wide and Kanash just went right down, in, right down in the inside and they battled, like they battled right around those corners and then they got up to where they would go up to the highest part of the track and I saw Angaro try to send it like to just jump it real far and try to jump ahead of him, just didn't make it. And man, Kanas just held on for a victory. And that's that's a great victory for Kanas. You know, kind of, you know, he was the fastest guy here at the Euros the year before, you know, TQ'd all around, he went into uh went into the, the finals day TQ, but then caught his foot at the pool. So he kind of was, you know, that kind of messed him up. But man, what an exciting race. It was a great race. I thought we had um, you know, it's it, what, what, what can we, we 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 always want a good race, right? We hate I hate when I see unless you're the winner, you know what I mean. We hate when we see somebody just run away with it, unless you know you are the person that runs away with it. But we didn't see that. We saw ebb and flow. We saw lead changes. Y'all Figueredo was super impressive, you know, super fast. He was the fastest out of those guys, though. Like he was on the track faster than them, and he just made that one mistake. That one mistake at the end or the end two minutes to go. And that cost him. So heartbreaking for y'all. We have to, I think we now have to like throw y'all. He's like a top 10 driver, I would say. I mean, he has been for a very long time, but he just drives so extreme and so crazy mm-hmm. that those things happen. Like he's so on the edge, on the limit. He would need to, like even Kanas, he's fast, but then he just put in those crazy laps when he was trying to catch Ongara right in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's kind of how Joao tries to drive for 60 minutes and it just doesn't really work. This was the best I think I have uh, seen him do ever because he was, until that one mistake where he lost a lot of time, he was still in it enough to where he could have won. Well, he was in the lead at that point. He had the lead when he made that mistake. Yeah. Yeah, but I think uh, pit stop. Uh, no, no, I think no, with no. Pit stops. Ongaro was in the lead. No, 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 no. He had got past Ongaro. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Okay. He would have won if so, he wouldn't have made that mistake. Well, 
I wouldn't go so far as to say he would have won, but it was two minutes ago. He was. He was two minutes no. ago. He had a good lead on. He, yes, he was. He had a good lead on Ongaro. He beat Ongaro. He got. I remember. I called the race. He beat Ongaro. Okay. Like you know, well, he had. He had an in extra any pick. Case, I would say that this is the best I have seen Joao race in a main to where he actually had a chance to win over Ongaro and Kanas. Yes, I would agree. That I would like. Even I don't care if it's your home track or whatever. To be mm-hmm. able to do that is uh impressive it's extremely impressive to be able to do that you have to be very good to be able to do that he had a good dnc as well he i finished he think he finished sixth yeah uh he had a he was decent at silver state he was fast in practice and earlier i think he made truggy and e-buggy main but just missed out i don't think he made the uh, nitro buggy main so i would say legitimately has matured into a top 10 driver now if he can keep it up. Like, that was a great main drive for him, except for that one mistake. That one single mistake. All right, where do we put... Now, Kanas straight up beats Ongaro. Like, that's what it was. There was no mistakes by Ongaro. There was nothing by him. Straight up beat him. Where does this Where does this now thrust Kanas in that whole power structure? I mean, I think that this really helps with confidence going into the season, knowing that, okay, so... I just won both classes. Uh, uh, I think that it, those two right now are the sort of are the two top guys uh, in Europe for mm-hmm. any race. Like if if you try to think, okay, who's gonna do really well? Who's gonna win? Those two names are going to be there, like every right. time. I would agree. If I you. would say, mm-hmm. and then, um, who was missing from this race? Okay, Kilic, really Kilic. fast. Yes, they have the speed, but they are not as sort of as safe of a bet yet. Right? Too inconsistent. They are not. They are not at that level yet. Uh, Ronefak, he can be, but like we already discussed, he needs to um, put in the work so that he can show up at the race at that level that Kanas mm-hmm. and uh, Ongaro are at. Then we have someone like Coelho. Who, Coelho. Co- yeah, I mean, again, he has what it takes as a driver, but he's doing too many different things. He doesn't have that mm-hmm. narrow focus that Ongaro and Kanas do, do so. He, I wouldn't put him, you know, in the same class with the, those, those two. And uh, I don't, I can't think of uh, anyone else right now uh, that would be there. I mean, yeah, it's those two are there for sure. And then there are these other few drivers who, you know, could join them. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. I agree with you there. I agree with you there. Uh, it's it's going to be hard to be Kanas this year, I think. And I think Ongaro, is, I mean, you could see when he, when he finished, he kind of hit the, he punched, the, he, was, he was upset. Like he punched the um, the, the plexiglass. And he's like, ah. and I think he was just mad at himself for making those mistakes. Like we saw unchar- uncharacteristic mistakes by Ongaro this weekend, I would say, this past weekend. Mm-hmm. So 
But definitely, Kanas going into the season, got this win up on him. I guess they'll meet each other again at the E-Buggy Euros here in Germany soon. I think it's next month, if I'm correct. Yeah, and it's going to be... In, it, I think we're going to get a show every time we see these three two weeks. get... Yeah, three weeks. So we'll, we'll, it's going to be a show every time we see these two guys together. Um, they put on a show for us. Uh, they put on a show for everybody at home. I think everybody at home enjoyed the streaming and the commentating. It was so. Here's a couple of cool things that happened. Uh, there was a guy <clears throat> that came on the stream, lived five minutes from the track, never knew it existed. Came to the track, has a like a ready to run. Came to the track and fell in love with RC. And then uh, Mr. Duras he messaged me on the a couple of days afterwards, and he goes, "Hey, Lefty, check this out." And a 15 year old kid saw the stream, right? Told his mom to sell his PlayStation 5 and they went and bought a used car at the hobby shop from there. Isn't that cool? Like, I know that's just one. That's just one person. But they just gained another racer. Like a kid that gives up his PlayStation at 15 to go get RC car stuff. I think that's awesome. And I think that goes to show, like, imagine if we keep streaming this stuff and getting the coverage there, how much people we can, you know, we just need to get. A man lived five minutes away, didn't know it existed. You know what I mean? It's just incredible. We never know. I think it's, that's, you know, well, we need to stop thinking about the Yes, the people at the race are important, but it's also the, the, the bigger picture is the stream, right? The people that the millions, or I would say millions, because eventually some people is going to, you know, the more RC we get out there on, in, the, in the algorithm, the, ba- the more chance it has of being discovered, right? So I thought that was really yeah. cool. Uh, I thought the, we had the dinner at the end of the, I thought that's what I liked. So the we you know after all the hard racing, we all went out Sunday night for a big dinner. Uh it was really good. Uh, I enjoyed it. And that's something you don't really see too much in American races. You know, people go out, but it's like teams. You go out with your team, you know, stuff like that. I mean, even we do the same thing at our races, but it was really nice to have everybody come together at a big long table. I don't know, it was about 35 people there. I think, and like the wine was flowing and the beers were flowing and it was just food coming and oh man, it was a great time, a great cap to the race. I think that uh, the the organizers that put this on are very happy. I know, you know, and then Mr. Figueredo took me, yes, on the Monday because I had that extra day. You guys left. Uh, We they put up, we had a nice hotel too, by the way. We was actually like roommates. We was like right across from each other. So I just, I had a wrong bed. Ooh, it was so cool. I had to love like the honeymoon suite, which was great. Uh, man, I just, I really enjoyed it. I thought, so Mr. Figueredo and Doris, they took me all around different areas and that, that surrounding area it was beautiful. And then um, he dropped me off in at the airport, which is li- like, so the, the hotel that he took, booked me in is literally in front of the ho- airport. Like I can see where you go to check in from the from the hotel, so I actually just walked across the road and walked to the hotel in the morning, like four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, so easy. Uh, I just wanted to express my thanks to to them, Mister Figueroa, and the organizers, and all the people, the racers of Portugal that came out. Uh, it was everything that I expected and more. The food was good, lots of it. I know I keep going back to that, but we ate a lot. Like it was like, hey, we're gonna go have lunch, and then like, oh, we're gonna have a big dinner. I remember one night we was like, man, we need sleep. We're not going out, right? You know. Uh, I thought the prices were right. Like it's fairly 
cheap. It's I get it. Some places can be expensive, but I thought that the prices there were very reasonable. Barcelos was great. I see no reason why we can't get. I would like to see at least two to three Americans here. I like to see Fand, maybe uh, a Fand, somebody like that. I don't know who else. Maybe Mayfield comes, but I don't know if he's coming over to like, traveling that much. Maybe it'd be great. But I think that this race, we need that race. Like we need that European race, what Neo kind of was, you know? So I'm hoping that it becomes this. Oh, here's the picture. Yeah, here's yeah. your great. <laughs> that was a lot of people. I mean, there's Kanas, his dad, Angaro wasn't there. There's Robert. Uh, <laughs> he got everybody to stick up the middle finger. <laughs> Some people are way too happy to. Came me <laughs> what a great I was a I man I really enjoyed this this race I enjoyed everything I this I enjoyed this man I had a I had a really really good time really really good time I'm so glad I went to this race and I think anybody that goes to this race they'll have a great time the passion you know if you're talking to Figueredo his old man he's got some good ideas they, they're gonna change the date next year He's even talking about putting up prize money next year to get people to come. So not only are they willing to change the track, they're willing to put up, they're going to change the date. I think Easter they're looking at. And then he even has some different ideas for that as well. I know you and him were talking about it, but very nice people. You had, I had a good time. They treated us very good. And I just, I'm glad I got to go to this. I'm so glad I got to go to this. I want to thank them for everything. Thank you to, I, you know, I didn't think I'll be, you know, people would know, really know who I am over there in Portugal too much, but yeah, man, like I walked around giving out stickers and people like, Oh, I listened to you and da, 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 and I thought that was cool too. So that's really cool. I'm glad I got to go. Let's get the Americans over there racing next year. That's what I say. Let's get them over there. Let's get them racing. And I think they would experience the same thing that I experienced a good time with people that are passionate about RC at a beautiful, a beautiful facility and track. That and a great program. You know, it's good to be done at seven every day, six, seven every day. Uh, good stuff. Great, great event. Great event, JQ. All right. Uh, thank you to everybody at the International Buggy Challenge. A special thank you to Yal Figueredo, uh, Yal Duras, and Mr. Figueredo, Jose, who it was funny. He goes, I've never spoken to you till you came to this race. And he goes, You'll be back next year. And he's, you know, I can. So here's the thing I can read Portuguese. And I can understand it when they talk slow. Like I can understand it pretty much, but I cannot speak it to save my life. I'm speaking Spanish to people like expecting they some now in Portugal is a little different from Brazil. Nobody understood us. You know, nobody spoke English <clears throat> and nobody spoke Spanish, but at least these guys being so close to Spain, they speak some Spanish. Right. But I was able to, but to, to speak Portuguese, it's, I don't know. But reading it and, and understanding it, I do. Now, I don't understand everything, but I understand a good bit of it. So that was great. And Porto, man, what a beautiful city. Like, just beautiful right on the river. Oh, man. I'm, the only thing I would have liked to have done is spend more time in Porto, I think. Like, actually go sightseeing and walking around and stuff like that. Beautiful city. Have you been there before? I've been there, Yeah. Yeah. Even like, I think Greg was telling me he's been there and a couple of other, I think Barry told me, cause I was talking to Barry Baker. He says he loved it too in Porto as well. So beautiful, beautiful city. And I'll uh, put that on you guys, uh bucket list of races. I, not even if you're a pro driver, if you just want to go to a different race, you want to go to a European race. That's cool. 
being a beautiful city. Put this on your list of races to go. And Easter time, it'd be good weather like it was her. I thought the weather was great. Little cold, but not too bad. All right, JQ, anything to add? Don't interrupt me when we go into, we're going to ask, we have some questions. We're not going to answer them all. Uh, we got some questions. We're going to take as many as we can because we are going over our time. And I can see your attention span is just like, you know, I know you're ready to rant. Ah. And I think I want to talk about uh, Silver State. I'm Road. only here for the rant. Okay. Well, anyway, this is brought to you. We have a bunch of questions. People saw you that saw you was going to be on the podcast. So we got a lot of questions. We don't have time to answer all of them. I'm sorry, but we will pick some of the best ones. Some of them are repetitive that we've answered it over and over again. And I'll let you know that. But we are going on to the bench racing Q&A brought to you by Beach RC and Sidewinder Fuel. BeachRC.com, the racer's one-stop online hobby shop. Choose from all the popular brands and variety in stock with super fast shipping and great customer service. BeachRC.com still has the local hobby shop feel with all the benefits of the internet. BeachRC.com is the exclusive distributor for Ultimate Racing, JQ Racing, Pro Circuit Racing Tires, Nitro Lux Fuels, and Assault RC Performance Products. So fill up your cart and check out at BeachRC.com today. I would like to say thank you to Brent and everybody at Beach RC. Uh, Brent just announced his RC Pro-Am race that's coming up the end of August. It's actually a very cool concept. It's going to be under a roof down there in the Carolinas. It's going to be a team event as well. So I really like to. That's I really like the idea of that. Also, uh, our newest sponsor, one of our new sponsors, Sidewinder Fuel. Uh, Morgan Fuel has been collaborating with many of the world's top drivers for over 35 years. This has enabled them to test their fuel, our fuels in many of the most challenging situations and take development of competition fuels to the next level. The result is Sidewinder, the market's most powerful racing fuel. This fuel is track tested and proven by national and world champions who have driven for Sidewinder in the past that include Ryan Cavallari, Ryan Mayfield, Greg Degani, Mark Pavidis, and their top driver right now is actually Little Bump, who had a great race at Silver State. These drivers appreciate it. The Sidewinder is to blend it perfectly for the high-performance needs of competitive racing. Don't let victory slip through your fingers. Purchase Sidewinder today. And you can get Sidewinder at A-Main uh, if, you're in the, in, if you can order it off A-Main. And I think they are out in hobby shops. I know Revelation has a bunch as well if you're on the West Coast. All right, JQ. So I know you like the questions. So we're going to get right into them for you. And we will start. I should have had this all prepared. I need really need to put my glasses on, to be honest. So... JQ, once people found out you was coming on her, we had a lot of questions, dude. A lot of questions. Let me find them. Just RC questions, man. You know, people find out you're coming on her and they go crazy. I'm retired. I don't know anything about the RC anymore. All right. Well, let's go on to... Actually, we have a couple questions. So we're going to go to our Instagram questions. Mike Kaz asked me, how was the food in Portugal? Great. I actually have a video of you cooking and cutting my you cooked my steak after you cut it. My hand cramped up. My my stern flame. Can I grammar? No, you cannot grammar. Does that you cannot grammar? You can grammar at the end, like you usually do. And this was for you. What? Did your camera die? What happened? Anyway. Um, uh my cas the the food was great in Portugal. Uh, especially the sweets Ooh, and the wine was good. The sangria was was really good. Uh, 
David Bowman, happy birthday, Bowman. He goes, how's life on the 40 plus asking for a friend? He just went 40 plus. This is from our Patreon uh, and, uh, questions. And we have a question from Raw Lang. I, I think you're going to like this question because I know how you feel on this. He goes, question, if we're going to attract more females and to our sport, should we really be using podium girls? Does this send the right message? <sighs> I really don't care. <laughs> I, I I don't care. I at the same time I think like po- trophy goals and that it's so fucking lame. And like cheerleading, cheerleaders, come on. But cheerleaders that is can the be most male ridiculous too. thing. Oh come not, on. It's not male cheerleaders. cheerleading is like men play sports, women stand by the sidelines and cheer. It's so lame. If you really think about it, it is. You are frozen, by the way. Okay. Really? Okay. Well, can you still hear me? That's the point. Yeah, this is an epic. Yeah, it's stupid. Trophy goals in RC, also stupid. But do I really care? No, I really don't. I I, Let's put it like this. I cared enough to where I said RCGP isn't going to do trophy goals. I recall this. To that level, I care. Like, because I think it is. I don't know what's wrong with my camera. I I think it's stupid and it's backwards and I want to move forwards. So yeah, we're not going to do trophy clubs. But is that like stopping people from joining or stopping girls from racing? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. But I mean, some of these girls like Roxbury, she's a racer and a trophy girl, you know? So <clears throat> I don't know. if I think if the girl, if the females are comfortable with it and they enjoy it, let it be, but I also understand that in this day and age, maybe trophy girls aren't the thing that to be, you know. So I don't know. We still do it. I think they still do trophy girls in other sports, right? In other motorsports, if I'm correct. Yeah, but I think they got like grid or grid girls in F1 or maybe okay. the GP. Okay. I don't know. I would definitely prefer to see more girls racing and not have any trophy girls. That would be great. All right, Bobby Thomas, he goes, if TLR isn't selling more kits because of Fen, how long before they can afford to give Fen a pay raise? They can't afford to give Fen a pay raise. I don't know. TLR, and this guy's dramaling. I heard you dramaling in the background there, JK. That wasn't. Yes, it was. There's No, it, that's not my dremel, what you're hearing now. It's outside. But anyway, the, that's a motocross that bike? was the question. I don't know, some moped or something. If TLR isn't selling know. more kits because yeah, of Fender, okay, I remember. You know why? Because TLR doesn't give a shit how many kits they sell. It's Horizon. They don't need to sell eight-scale okay. buggies. If they did, they'd actually care about it, you know, and try to sell more. They don't They don't give a shit. Fend and his position isn't linked to how many kits they sell. I'm pretty sure about that. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm, I'm confidently gonna say that that's the case like it's not one-to-one like that so okay. it's a, it's different like if if you're gonna have a brand that at least on some level is into racing okay you need a driver he needs to win he needs to be paid okay so let's do that and then they make their money on all the other stuff it's not like back in the day when losi was actually losi and mm-hmm. they paid drivers, and they won races, and they sold Losi cars, and that's how they made a living. No, now it's different. There's no, it's not linked like that. Okay. Uh, okay. Next question. Uh, are you finished? 
I'm finished. Okay. Next question. Thoughts on the eight scale magnetic brake systems for the nitro buggies? No, I got to see this uh, at Silver State Lasher. I also really? talked to How was it? Wally because I think I, 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 I saw Wally was the guy. Nick was the guy who got to drive it, and he said they feel great. They right. feel pretty good. I mean, do you think we'll see this? And then I don't know. Really, know what the guys, man? Some, just put your put your um. I don't know what's going on. Okay, there we are. I don't know. I don't know. It just keeps freezing. Is it overheating? Because we've been going on for so long. Maybe it just doesn't yeah. like you. Uh, anyway, I think we're going to see them on cars here eventually. I, I think that the guy's actually trying to get Horizon to buy it. So if they buy it, I think we'll see it on a lot of their ready-to-run cars and stuff like that. Do they even make ready-to-run nitro cars still? But I think it's cool. I know a lot of people are like, why do we need it? Why do we need it? Oh, I mean, it might be great and it might work a lot. It's, it apparently doesn't add any more weight and it's really good, apparently. So I would, I still would like to see it tested maybe by diehard pros in a, like a full race season and see what they think about it. What about you, JQ? You're dremeling, aren't you? Anyway, he's either frozen or just look. Something's wrong I was dremeling. What's going on now with my... Can I leave? I just put your... Just put your... Watch me call it up. Your... Um, your avatar. Uh, next question, JQ. Joe Zyre Jr. of Ran Out of Talent Podcast. He actually went to Silver State and participated in the Fiskier Racing. With diehard fans and sponsor drivers. the previous ones. Okay. So would, what do you think like about the magnetic Robert. brakes? Robert is the number one driver for complaining about brakes is Robert. Okay. <laughs> because here, like, and it's not even just Mayako. Okay. Mayako brakes are not great. Yes. I get the point. But when he ran Mugen, he fucking complained about the brakes. Okay. <laughs> and it's because he runs... He doesn't run a lot of brake, but he, then he uses the brake a lot. And then they get hot and they wear out and it's the balance changes and this kind of thing. So he would be the perfect driver to have test this magnetic brake system. If he approves, then you're golden. You're good to go. Okay. We didn't get him and the number two, then. actually, number two guy would be Tebow. Ironically, the two most picky drivers I've ever come across when it comes to brakes are both running Mayakos now, Robert and Tiba. Oh, yeah. There I know you you're hearing all about the brakes. So get yeah, those brakes fixed. That's all fixed. I ever hear. Yeah. Get them fixed. Get them fixed. That's all I hear. Well, get them Fucking fixed. Yeah, the race, race engineer. Get them fixed. Uh, so Joe Zyre Jr., he wants to know, with diehard fans and sponsor drivers leaving ProLine, how long before they fade into a into bashing early? You know, we say this. Like, I think Nick left ProLine while Wally left and is running TZO now. We say this, but then they came up with, like, new compounds and stuff. And then you see them at, like, you go to a race in Cal like, at DNC. They were selling ProLine tires like crazy. They were, like, the M4 hill shots with the best tires at that track, pretty much. So I don't know if ProLine's going to fade into oblivion when it comes to racing i know they have a lot of bashing and crawling tires and I all that type will. of stuff you do they will fade yeah i think so okay yeah maybe but it seems weird like like coming up didn't they just release a new compound i don't know you but don't i think they'll either. fade okay 
All right. Next question. Oh, this is a good question. Let's see if you can know the answer to this. Peter Bartel, he wants to know who or what chassis was the first on or offered to use suspension hinge pin pills. Any history you can give on this, please. Now, we had an answer in there from Will McIver, and he said Mugen and the MBX5. And I think that was the first off-road car to do it. You're muted. Mugen MBX5? Okay, yeah. let's find this out right now. That was the first car I saw with pills. I know. You know how I know? Because uh, I, I had one. I had quite a few. And I remember I used to get so angry because the pills used to get worn out. And then um, Lance Nork actually made some brass ones. When did, when was the MBX5 released? Ooh, 2000 and... 2007? No, 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 no. Before that. 2004, maybe? We need to know this for sure. No, no, no. Hold on. It was before that. Way before that. Uh... 2002, okay, 2003, I think. MBX5 was uh, mid-2003. Oh, wait. Yes. MBX5 was launched. The car went... Okay. Well... I think that's the first car that I've seen you are, Then that's wrong. Okay. Because... Guess... What car had pills before that? I don't know. Hobao Hyper 7. Really? Yes. Okay. And you I know, know that I I ran the Hobao in 2002. So it was released in 2001 or 2002. And that car... I'm trying to think if it had pills at that point. Damn, I can't remember. I don't know. I don't know. You'd the very have to, first one. You'd have to. We'd I have, have to pictures call somewhere, but I, I would almost say that uh, Hyper Seven would be the first one that had those pills. Okay. All right. If I had to bet money on it, I would bet money on the Hobart. I'm sure the the everybody whoever if, so do some research, people. If you find out who had the first car, so I said MBX Five. JQ says the, the Habal. Hyper seven. Yeah. So maybe we're both wrong. Uh, James Dale, he wants to know, have you ever thought of making invisible speed setup app for mobile devices? Yeah, I've thought about it, but it costs a lot of money and people aren't even buying the course. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, there's a, so not happening right now. There's a great setup app called dial. That's good. Check it out. Uh, Kevin Clark, how was it meeting the oh, infamous yeah, hobo? It's uh that this app would be a bit different to that. Okay. Right. That's more like uh, no, taking notes and stuff, I would say, if I recall correctly. All right. Uh, we have more about that. On what we, I had the gentleman on the podcast. Kevin Clark, how was meeting the infamous hobo in person? Less than impressive. I thought you'd be more hoboish, but I got to meet him at the North Georgia oh. showdown. Oh, Kevin Clark. <laughs> you know Kevin Clark. He was a joined join my ACO, left my ACO, joined my ACO, left my ACO. You know, he's I just your biggest fan. He's your yeah. biggest fan. He's good. He's good people. That explains a lot if it's he's a hobo. He's not. That's just his nickname. Uh, Robbie Smith, yeah. question How for all. Because he set up, I think he he was at a race and he like 
put all this canvas and stuff like over his tent and all that stuff, and it looked like a homeless person was living there. Explain That's them. why. Robbie Smith, question for all. When does rough driving turn into deliberate takeout, and should that be black fagged and the driver made to retire early from the race? Furthermore, when it's seen over and over across multiple races, what should be done? Well, I would say that a lot of his takeouts are intentional, period. You know, some are accidents, but a lot of them are intentional. Uh, I definitely, it depends what rules you're running under. Um, and it depends what the RD, if in America, what the RD is doing. I know at the international IBC, even though we talked about Robert uh, and the Paulson incident, I saw a lot of, I think like the young kid from Spain, Iker, he got a stop and go on both of his mains, like, you know, at the start. So um, I don't think you should be black flagged because, or kicked out from a race, but you can nip this all in the butt by giving penalties right off the bat, I would say. And um, start with the biggest name there. They give him a penalty when he acts up. Give him a stop and go. But having having them kicked out and all that stuff, eh, it's racing. It's going to be takeouts. There's some that aren't intentional, They, but you know they happen. So I don't think that that's, you know, just have some rules. What do you think, JQ? I'm your mic. I would agree that uh, you give penalties. You don't need to be super harsh. That's not really the point. But just, you know, so that you can't take someone out and get away with it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then for blatant stuff, like waiting for someone to take them out or, you know, like clearly not caring about your own race and just trying to ruin someone else's race. That stuff is uh, not okay. So you should deal with that with penalties, you know, and... Uh, what else was there in the question? No, that was it. He says, if, well, yeah. if it's seen over and over at future races, what should be done? I guess they're saying if the same person is doing it. I mean, the best is I think really when you start to... getting penalties, you stop. Like, you'll learn, like, I'm not doing that. No yeah, more. when you get penalties, but also there should be, like, talking is communicating. Communication, you know, communicating mm -hmm. is actually a surprisingly good way of dealing with situations. So when there is something like that, if you as a federation or, you know, race organizer, referee, race director, something like someone with some kind of credibility in RC, like you have power, you are something in RC. If you have a conversation and talk about this with said person, I think that will go a long way. And not like just bringing it up and having a friendly chat. No, like actually having that person sort of own up to what they are doing, how they're doing it, accept responsibility, and then come up with a sort of plan for the future. And that that is the solution. Like if we are now specifically talking about the Kilich, for example, the Kilich brothers who have been involved in many of these incidents, that is something that EFRA should do. Like, as mm -hmm. EFRA, as EFRA, say, look, we have this wonderful hobby and uh, we enjoy going racing and we, you know, take it seriously to differing degrees. We have been noticing a lot of uh, drama at various races relating to rough driving and these, these are some of the incidents. And then you have a conversation 
with the drivers, with the father, and you solve that issue. Okay, that's something. That well, right. So I done. just wanted to. I wanted to. Well, maybe we'll touch about that in Silver State because we talk about it, right? <clears throat> but I watched your live, and you kind of feel the same way I felt about the situation with them in at the Euros, at the Euro warm ups. Yeah, I mean, the Euro warm up is just one incident but again it involves them like if we just mm. specifically look at that incident that one actually while it being super unsportsmanlike and not something that i recommend you do it wasn't against the rules like that last main Murak didn't take anyone out brake checking someone isn't against the rules slowing down isn't against the rules sergio perez did it to Hamilton in F1 two years ago to slow down Hamilton so Verstappen could catch up, right? It's not against the rules. It's just not cool. I get that. Okay? I get that. So Efra should just update the rule. Like, if you have won the race, you are not allowed to race the third main. That's why that rule exists. I'm, so I'm so shocked they don't have that. I was shocked yeah, that they don't have that, that. That's the solution. Now, what Kilic chose to do by, hey, I'm going to have my brother win by slowing the others down. There are so many people in RC who would have done the same thing in that situation. Okay, so don't don't try saying that it's something outlandish. Pekko and me did it in a Finnish uh, uh, race at the local club in Turinka. You know, he won the race and then he raced the last main, and then like with a minute to go, he pulled in the stop and go area and waited for me to come, and then like pressured me to the end right on my bumper, like almost taking me out, like it, just because then I would finish ahead of another guy at the club. So this happens, you know? Uh, so you solve that by rules. But then uh, this specific scenario, what made it more funny to me was that Coelho was the one complaining. And Coelho being the CTO himself who has ruined so many people's races with his blatant takeouts, which it doesn't matter if it was intentional or not. He drove through the other person. So earlier on in his racing career, he had to learn about respecting the driver in front and that you can't enter every situation as fast as you can. You have to slow down a bit because you don't know what the driver in front is going to do. You know, he had to learn that. I suppose now he has learned that. But back in the day, CTO happened. I was writing a blog. I coined the term CTO, coil takeout, for a reason. Okay, because that's what he was doing. So knowing and understanding that and also knowing that the brand he represents and the company he races for has organized e EOS races, ETS races, European championships, world championships. They own the tracks. There are certain rules in place where you can't practice on the track. Oh, we forgot to uh, unplug our transponders and everyone can go online and see how many fucking laps each transponder is doing on a track that's closed in the night. Like, that happened. X-Ray did that. X-Ray built a track. The track was oh, closed. People drove on the track, forgot that the fucking timing system was on, and they got caught, right? <laughs> so for that to, for this race and what the Kilich brothers did, for that to be, like, so crazy and the worst thing that's ever happened... Uh, that made me laugh. You, that was actually a good rant. Very good rant. You got the, glad you got that out of your system. But I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. 
John Wolf, he wants to know when the comp when a company is going to start copying the Agama N1. I've seen a lot of them running now, and everyone who has them seems to have taken a step forward in their driving and speed. I don't see it happening. Really? Yeah. Unless, why not? Because if it works, why not? I don't think it will work. I mean, yeah, on those tracks, on Nemo, on copy track, and yeah, okay, but just well, in I general, do see a lot of people see... getting them. Uh, yeah, for sure, because it's different. But no, no, but I mean, we're starting to see people get like in America. I'm seeing a bunch of people getting kits. Yeah, now. it's so the... new and it's different. So, so that's I agree. I'm very. What my point is, I'm looking forward to see the find out the opinions on these American yeah, style yeah, tracks. Sure, you know. Yeah. So I mean. Tyler Jones looked pretty good at it, good in it at PMB. He flamed, he ran out of fuel in, in the bump for the B, but I mean for the A, but unfortunate for that. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they, how the average Joe American guy races it with a blown out, you know, track with super big jumps and maybe gets a little blown out and all that type of stuff. So I'm very interested to see how that works with that. Joe Jenkins, do you think VRC is is actually a helpful tool to use? Maybe not to improve speed, but consistency. So JQ, I don't think you ever used VRC. I have. Um, I know Ronafog used it quite a lot, but he also said that like the setup stuff that you have to do, it doesn't... So like whatever you do in full, like in real RC setup, it has to be magnified more in the VRC. But that said... <clears throat> I've used VRC and I think it's wheel time, right? Maybe it's not going out to the track and putting it in practice time, but if you get, it's still some wheel time, not the same as probably going out, not the same as going to the actual physical track, but I still think it helps with just reactions and stuff like that. Even though it isn't the same, I think just having wheel time on it is uh, helpful. In my opinion, you have any thoughts on that JQ? I think it can help. Yes. With sort of, when you use it with your own radio and you do it a lot, you sort of get used to that, yes. So I, I think it can be of some benefit, I think so too. but nothing beats running on a real track if you can do that. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, Omar O asks, is there a measurement on when to change your clutch shoes? And Kevin Winters actually posted your clutch video on this. So I think that's a good one. I have a clutch video. I don't think so. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. I think this is Adam Drake's clutch video. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Do you there's there a measurement when you go for clutch shoes though, JQ? I don't I think mean, there's a measurement per se. Maybe some maybe Adam says some measurement on some four shoe clutch he uses and he measures it. I just I just look at the shoes. Yeah. I know when that's one. Yeah, I would agree. Drew Robinson. So Drew, this is my boy. He works for A-Main. I met him when I went on my tour. He's a big E-Truggy fan. He doesn't understand that it's not a World Championships. But this is, he goes, why do you guys sleep? continue to sleep on Truggy? Hashtag ultimate class. <laughs> why do you guys continue to use words and phrasing to support the lies you're sharing about the buggy being better? Maybe that's a rhetorical question because I know why. And it's sad. <laughs> So he is a big Truggy fan and an E-Truggy at that. And I tried to tell him, I met, so he was at the North Georgia shootout, right? And that's a decent sized race. But I told him, I said, you ain't seen real speed yet. And what I mean by that, you haven't seen the best and the best go at it against each other to see what's going to happen. And I was like, 
Maybe with the e-buggy euros, uh, sorry, the e-buggy rounds that are supposed to be happening at the international buggy at the buggy, buggy arena in 2025, maybe e-truck is going to be there because it is. I know it's not big in Europe, but I will say this: e-truck is growing really big in uh, America. Like I would say, bigger than Truggy almost than Nitro Truggy. You have no comment it's on fucking that. Fucking horrible. I love e-truck. E-truck all the way. Paco it's Romero. E- I'll put it this way. Like e-truck and Truggy are great. And they are great for club racing and local racing and all that. But that's one more reason why we need a separation between professional and hobby. And they have no place. It's just like short course, you know? Leave that to the kids and the beginners, and you know. Yeah, but sure, of course, done a lot for RC racing. I know that's what I'm fucking saying. If you'd listen, so local racing, regional racing, it's good. Pro racing, terrible. Okay. All right. Yeah, I don't fully agree, but I get it. It's a waste <clears throat> of time. It's not. It's enjoyable. What I, what I don't like is that it breeds bad habits. You know. So actually, Truggy, I mean, we've talked about this quite a lot. I always see e-buggy and Truggy results. And then I asked that person, where's your Nitro buggy results? Oh, I was in the C main. I said, here in the A, for Nitro, for nitro for truck and, and e-buggy, you need to practice more of your Nitro buggy. Uh, Paco Romero, what can be done to reduce the center of gravity on current buggy design? With traction levels continuously increasing, it seems the lower CG will be a great advantage. Your mic is muted. Yeah, I wasn't saying anything. I, I almost said buy an buy an Agama as a joke, <laughs> but uh, yeah, a lot of things that eventually will happen if the tracks uh, stay like this. Like, or don't you want to reveal your secrets? Uh, no, not really. But uh, yeah. We are at the point with setup and the cars where we are raising the center of gravity, you know, with high wings and all of that. It's we haven't reached the stage where we are actively uh, lowering it, unfortunately. But we will one day. I think so. I think we're going to see lower shock shafts, like lower shock kind of stuff. I saw you doing with. Uh, like there's low, there's smaller shock towers and all that stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean that you start with the most obvious things like wing, wing, mount shocks, shock towers, engine, cooling head, mm-hmm. fuel tank, you know, all these things. Mm-hmm. And you just start lowering them. Mm. All right, that's gonna be interesting to see. Like, can you get the can we get the engines lower? Maybe we make uh, like what about this? Like now, you know what kind of came and went was the low CG heads. Now you don't really see those anywhere. They were all the rage for the longest while. Now that we have these yeah. tracks that are like that that probably need the lower CG, you don't see them anymore. Yeah, it's kind of funny actually. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think yes that. It does make a difference, too. I mean, I've tested that. Back-to-back, you do notice. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Ari Pekka Kiak. 
this is probably a Finnish name. K Y Y K K A Kika Kuka Kuka Arebeka Kuka Arebeka Kuka. Why will why we still see new brands for one eighth or for a tire market? Man, I will I would say that the one eighth tire market is super saturated at the moment. Yeah, it's uh, it's what happens. It's short sighted by the manufacturers and the distributors who, instead of selling existing products, decide that they will make their own and make more money, and then everyone has their own brand and. No one makes any money. So, <laughs> yeah, it kind of sucks. You kind of saw that in chassis for a while, too. It seems to have petered off a little bit. Yeah, it's still bad, but not as bad as it was at one point. Now it sort of has settled a bit to where only a few of them actually make an effort mm-hmm. racing and to sell. But even the the brands that don't make an effort, they will have some pockets in the world where they have a good customer and that customer sells cars and that's an area where the more established brands don't sell as much. So even though in racing you don't see those brands, they still negatively affect the the market, I in okay. my opinion. Okay. Cool. Cool. That's it for our Facebook questions. We have a few YouTube questions coming up here. Uh, does JQ use any FDM 3D printer printer for making and testing parts? Yeah, I don't have my own, but there's a company in Finland that <clears throat> I use for 3D printing. Okay. Roach RC, what's up? Uh, make some great videos, RC videos, narrative videos. They're really good. You should check out his channel if you haven't already, JQ. He says, I'm making a video on the difference between European and U.S. racing on a macro and micro scale. Do you think I could have, he wants to know your input as to why they tend to be different. So yeah, a European racer who's raced a lot in America, just gives a quick, a few quick examples for, for Cade and no screwdrivery. Um, I think that the biggest difference is historical in the sense that in Europe, it's more about the tracks being clubs. They aren't businesses for profit. Mm-hmm. It's more, let's make uh, a fun environment to enjoy our hobby together. Mm-hmm. And in America, it's, I have a track, I want to make money and it's fun. So immediately there, you have a difference, right? Uh some business owners want to make it a fun environment and comfortable because it makes for better business. Others just want to, you know, put some races on and hopefully people show up and they have a lot of entries, but that sort of extra effort isn't really there. It's not really worth it. It's not that big of a business, you know? So that business versus club, uh, community uh, aspect. That's the first difference. Then the second difference is in Europe, because of because it's sort of volunteer-based, it's a club, uh, it's not a business, we don't club race as much. Uh, in America, there's a lot of club racing because it's, you know, business-driven. Like you club race, you get entries, you make money. So that's actually a positive of the American system where 
if you have a track and you collaborate every week and you sort of do it Wednesday nights and Saturday nights or whatever, multiple times a week, people show up to race. That's a really good thing. In Europe, that doesn't happen. There are tracks that never club race. There are tracks that club race like twice a month on a weekend or something. Or, you know, it's not, I don't know of a single track that club races multiple times a week in Europe. I don't know if that even exists. So those are two differences, I would say. Also, I want to add something to that too. <clears throat> in Europe, the semi-permanent track is big, right? When it comes to 10 scale. And also, it's you tend to see people running one class. So if you run 10 scale, you're probably just running two-wheel drive. You run four-wheel drive at a bigger race. There's still like some club racing going on, like on that sense on a weekend. And if you run eight scale, you run nitro buggy pretty much. And then like e-buggy maybe at a bigger race. So that makes it also more affordable, also more focused on one class. I think that's why we're seeing. Yeah. Go ahead. I think that's why we're seeing a a lot of these young European champions, right? We got Tommy Hall as a European champion. They got Kyra Pizzo, a European champion. You know, they're not going to every race and they're not running e-buggy, truggy, 40 plus. You know, they're running whatever. They're running one class. They can focus on that. They can get battle effort. And when it comes to these bigger races that they may go to, then you'll see them run that four-wheel drive class, you know, as well. Or they might run e-buggy. I think that's a big difference. And it helps keep cost on because I would say that racing's probably more expensive in Europe just due to the high prices and stuff like that. So I would think that's a big deal as well. I would break it down like this. If um, if if you are into racing at a local level, then the American system is better, actually. You can club mm-hmm. race locally. It's it's better. If you are trying to become a professional RC car racer, like the best in the world, they are different. Both are really good, um, but they have different strengths. In Europe, the strength is that you have many permanent tracks where uh, the opening hours are can be like every day, basically. Just go there and practice, 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 and the track stays the same. You can learn about driving, learn about setup. There's a lot of knowledge in Europe when it comes to this car design development setup uh, because that's a big part of the hobby in Europe. I think it's a bit different in America. In America, they want to look good. In Europe, they want to make the cars handle good. You know, There's that kind of difference in mentality. And part of it is because the track stays the same, don't race as much. You go there to practice, test, and learn. So that's a strength in Europe. Then in America, you'd be racing a lot, and there are a lot of fast drivers, and that's why it's you know good over there. So both have strengths for that. Okay. Then if you enjoy, uh, if if you enjoy this as a nice pastime, you like to go to some big events. Uh, if that's what you in, enjoy in this hobby then I think Europe and Asia are far better than America. American big races are terrible across the board. Uh, You don't get track time. You spend way too much time at the track. There's no real community aspect to 
you won't go to a race and have 35 people after the race in the same restaurant having dinner. It doesn't happen. Uh, so that that is a lot better in Europe and uh, in Asia. But I think that's because of the club I aspect think. too. You probably see that on a club level yeah. more in America. For instance, like <clears throat> Lance's series, very community-based. People... The same people go to every part of every series. You know, they go travel and do that series. So this past weekend he had it. So you, it's a lot of the same people meeting up and racing together. And they usually all hang out, like hang out together too. So, but on a big race scene, you don't really see that much because basically we're people, you're there all day, you know, you're at the track all day, but there is a community with, I mean, people hang out and that's a part people enjoy of, of the big races as well in America, I would say. Hanging out with people. As well as racing. Um, anything else to add before we move on? No. Okay. Was that um, the last question? No, we have a few more. One was from Kevin Hubert. He wants to know is the Viking taking a tire sponsor and get it, not get it and getting used to these tires? Is it why he's not done great for as of late? We we talked about that earlier on. Uh does so hold on. Kevin Mendez wants to know when will the production of the E MX eight E be available and will the issues with the shock shaft uh coating and the hinchmans be addressed? I know you talked about that on your live the other day as well. You said that they are getting addressed. Prediction date of the MX eight E production. I don't know. Summer. <laughs> summer. It's almost summer now. Case Edwards, will we see a change in DNC for the next year? I'm I guess it's mean change of date. I don't know. Yeah, I'll see a big change. I won't be there. <laughs> you know what? You say this every year. And no, then no, when it I'm gets closer real. to DNC, you start getting no, excited and you want to go. Okay. No, not going right. to happen. <clears throat> he goes, also, I'm, it's I'm evident retired. that... I'm retired and I'm not going to those kind of races anymore. Okay. But you are talking about going to AMS. You are talking about that. You are too, and Robert and Rana Falk and a whole bunch of other European guys. Yeah, if it's capped and there's a schedule, then we might consider going. I believe it is. Also, he wants to know, it's evident that one-eighth has boomed, so will we see more one-eighth tracks reopening or just more races? Many people drive hours to go to the local track, just a thought. I think that the issue is the places can suffer from too many tracks. Um, and I think, yeah, I get it that you have to drive a few hours to get to a track. Well, I have to get on a plane and fly if I want to go to a track, you know, literally go to another country. Um, so I get it that some people don't like to drive three hours to the local track. I, but I also feel that if, if you have too many tracks in a in an area, you just split nobody. It's just, it's just like having too many tire companies or too many chassis companies. Nobody really benefits. None of the tracks really benefit. You know, it gets split so much. And certain people only go to this track, or certain people go to the end of this track. I, we're seeing too many tracks closing down because they just can't survive. There's no, I, I, we see eight scale racing is doing well, but I don't think it's doing as well as we think it is to have so many tracks open in a, in a short, in a, in a, in a very small circle on a very small area. Not everybody can have a track one hour or 10 minutes from their house. It's just how it is. Thoughts on that, JQ? Yeah, I I mean, I haven't seen some boom in tracks or whatever. So. No, eight-scale racing, eight-scale racing. on In eight-scale racing. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. I think America's the same as it's been. Uh, 
just because like some of the big races have more people doesn't mean that there's more races if if uh, you look at live rc data and it shows that okay across the board at all racing there's more hit scale okay fine there's a boom in america there's not a boom in europe you know and i don't think there's one in asia either or south america so globally no maybe in america but i know for yeah. americans that's the whole world so I oh my gosh you just had to throw that in didn't you uh he wants to know e-buggy and e-truggy where are they <laughs> if you don't even know any e-buggies coming out you no 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 answer from jq no answer from jq uh Miles Wayne wants to know how retirement feels. It hasn't stopped him from being grumpy and complaining. That's for sure. And then our last question. Yeah. Our last question is from McForrest. And this is something I heard quite a lot. And he wants, but, or they, they don't have a pit person. Right. So what if anything, if anything, can I say or do to get my wife to pit for me? I see it all the time on live RC and TikTok. Sure, but she's pretty much telling me no. I'm going to my first one eighth race uh, at the mid Mid America Visions race. I won't have anybody's there. Hashtag need a pit person. So I don't know what you say to your wife to get her to pit. I think a lot of the people that or fe- females that you see pitting, they may be racers or um, they're like maybe they're they're pitting for their uh, their, their spouses as well or their kids. And I think that's because the whole family is into racing, right? So if your wife isn't into it, she's just not going to be into it. Trust me, my wife is not into anything RC. Like she is not, she does not like it, right? Maybe if my son raced, she would be into it a little bit more. Uh, also, I see this all the time. Well, I don't race Nitro because I don't have a pit person. I get this. You need a pit person. But also, RC racing is about meeting people and becoming friends, right? So you, like you go to these races you should go out and meet people. I get it. Not everybody is like me and walks around and talks to everybody. People are introverted. I get that. But it's not just about the racing too. You, you gotta go out, you gotta go out and make the effort to make friends. Hey, maybe you meet a guy. He doesn't have a pit person either. So there you help each other out. Unfortunately, you might be in the same heat. Then you can't help each other out. But I would say, um, go out and meet some people and ask them to help you and, and in return offer to help them. That's how you meet people, make friends and you get a pit person in my opinion. What do you think about that, JQ? You answered that question perfectly. I have nothing to say. Oh, my gosh. Um, all right. I think that's all our questions for today. Uh, we had quite a lot of questions. If we missed one, I'm sorry, but we had quite a lot of questions. Uh, thank you to everybody for uh, sending us the questions. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, now we're going to go on to our new hot race it's usually the hot race, hot laps, but it's really just going to be hot race, hot gossip because uh, we did a podcast after Silver State. But then I heard all the gossip afterwards, you know, because we I was traveling and heard about what happened. So I just wanted to briefly talk about that with JQ. Uh, thank you to Hot Race for all that continued support, Nicola and Robert. I'll uh, be seeing Nicola here at the Nationals in a week's time. Um, so this is the hot race, hot gossip from Silver State. So JQ. I remember you said, man, you need to get the Ghani on the podcast to talk about Silver State. And I was like, well, we ought to record it about it. And basically, we looked at, um, we just watched the race, 
right? We watched the race from the live RC perspective. We didn't, you, I didn't know what was going on there or anything like that there. Then I think Greg called me and told me a whole bunch of stuff. But I wanted to start off with you. Um, um, so, you know, Techno won this and not the Techno driver we thought that was going to win this, right? Uh, Marco goes out there. We had, That was another great race, by the way. We had a great race between uh, Marco, Little Bump, uh, Fend at one point a Little Bump, and the full are doing really well. What I I did not expect Marco to win, and from what I heard talking to people at this at IBC, they were saying that Marco was still running like a pretty much stock car, or just like what you get. And, and Mayfield was trying a whole bunch of stuff. So what do you what do you think about this, JQ? Uh, if Marco's win, Mayfield probably not doing as well. And I would also ask you what do you think about Tebow not doing well because he was in the B main at this race. What are your thoughts on that? Um. I was actually happy that Marco won. I th- I thought that was really cool. I, I don't give a shit about techno, but good uh, that Marco won. Looks like he's a uh, bit in that camp that Ongaro and Kanas is in. You know, he has a mm-hmm. setup that he's developed for himself that works for him and he's driving because he's putting the time at the track. And that's why he won that race. And the thing is that, just like Digani said back in the day, you have to make the most of what you have. Doesn't doesn't give a shit what the other people are doing, because he doesn't have what the other people have. He has what he has, so he will maximize the performance of what he has. That's often actually the best way. So you, when it comes to a car, you can every single part in a car can be different. It can. But mm-hmm. if you have a car, as a driver, what you should do is, I have this car now. I will make this car go around the track as well and fast as possible for myself. And that's your job. That's what you need to do. So, yeah, trying all kinds of different things from different cars or modifying stuff. Yeah, that's fine. But why? Have you first tried to figure out what you have? Mm-hmm. to the best of your ability, you know? Yeah, just my thoughts on that. But, uh, yeah, I th- I think it was a really good drive from him, which normally he's kind of ballistic, and, you know, he's in mo- had moments of that there also, but maybe he's maturing a bit to where he is uh, driving within himself or within what the car can do and not making all those uh, mistakes that he used to do before. Like I would say, did I expect him to win? No. Am I surprised just out of my mind that, Oh my God, he won. No, because he has been leading DNC uh, flamed out or something like he has shown that he has, the ability to do this, right? He has shown that he has the speed in America to beat everyone, to win a race, but he hasn't been able to do it. Now he did. So great. I didn't expect it, but am I surprised? No, I'm not surprised. I, if if anything, I'm surprised who he was racing against to win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and all the drivers who, who weren't uh, featuring, you know, like him and 
and uh, Filong being the guys who are battling for the win. That's surprising, I would say. I would agree there. Filong drove really well. I'm full of, from last, from B-Main and getting up there. Yeah. Well, I think it was great. I think it was great. All right. Uh, something else that came up after this when uh, somebody, I think I found Matt Sistrunk first found it. TLR running HB Shocks. Why? Did you see that? I don't know, Why but um, it, I don't know, but Fenn had a picture and it showed HB Shocks. And then, of course, you know, the sleuths went and they found it. They had they're running HB Shocks on their TLRs. So the HB guys are going nuts. I mean, it's not, I mean, for me, it's not much of a big deal, to be honest. I mean, people have run different shocks for many years. I remember at one point you used to get uh, Kyosha shocks because they were the best. Well, I didn't, but everyone was running them, I remember. <clears throat> yeah, it's kind of, I just, I already ranted about that. Okay. All right. Um, Killix versus Savoya. So I didn't see this, but I heard this. So basically, I think in the B main, Savoya and the Killix were going at each other uh, on the track and then coming into the track when, when they finished or when they came in for pits. I think Savoya was behind them and like gassed it and then struck uh, Abdul, uh, Killix's father on his hand and like pinned it there. And he took his car <laughs> and threw it on the side of the pit lane right there. And then after the race, they were all in each other's face, arguing with each other. This is what I heard from various people that were there. So ooh, I, I think these guys have battled like before at European races, like Savoya and Killix. And then on top of that, uh, did you see the Tasman attempted takeout on Borok? We, we talked about it on the, on the Silver State recap, but uh, it was pretty epic because like, yeah, Tasman took himself out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was funny. And I don't know why he did that, though, because if it was the pass Burak made, I didn't see anything wrong with that, but uh, maybe there was something else that happened else. I agree. I agree. And then the last story that I had involves the Killix as well. And I didn't know if this was true, because sometimes Greg says it, but basically... I heard this from someone else also now. Right, but this is just funny. I thought this was super funny. Uh, basically... Uh, the the father was trying to teach them not saying you shouldn't gamble. You know it's bad for you. Obviously, they're not old enough to gamble either. Um, and he said it's all rigged. Like and, it's a scam. Yeah, it's a rigged yeah, yeah. And he goes scam, to show yeah. you to show you that it's not a it's a scam. I'm gonna put this. He put in like five bucks, and I think he won fifteen hundred dollars. Like run one pool. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, and then the guy was like, "Yep, now the kids kids are hooked." <laughs> So it backfired badly. His uh, attempt at showing how bad gambling is, it backfired. Lefty, get off your phone. I know. Sorry, just messaging my wife. Uh, that was the funny story of the, I think, of the Silver State race that we didn't hear about this afterwards. Uh, I, I, I talked to Barkan recently, just the other day, but I didn't ask him. But yeah, that's a pretty funny story. Um, Silver State was decent. I'm glad Marco won. Uh, I enjoyed the race. This little bump looked great. And I look forward to seeing what these guys, the American racers here at the Nationals very shortly. All right, JQ. Um, I think that's all I had for Hot Race Hot Gossip. Uh, I know you have a rant. I don't know if I want you to rant today, but you've been such a good, good 
good guy. We're going to do a rant, and this is going to be on the JQ Racing rant right here. We are now at that point of the show where you should fasten those seatbelts and put your big boy pants on. Things are about to get serious. It's time for the JQ Racing Rant. All right, JQ, you said you had a rant. I have an idea what this is about. I don't know if I fully agree with you on this. Um, can we keep it I'm as frozen. PC? Uh, yeah, you are frozen. I don't know what's going on with your camera. I don't know. I don't um, know. Anyway, this will be a short one because I want to go home. Okay? Mm-hmm. Here's the deal. The first scam was this is a big race why is it a big race because a lot of people attend actually it's not a lot of people it's just a lot of entries okay so you have a race you let's say you have 150 people go there how do you make it look like a better time a bigger race invent all kinds of stupid classes so that those 150 people race three different classes oh look now it's actually not 150 people anymore. Now it's 450. Wow, we have 450 entries at our race. Okay, now next year you, you know, add a couple of more stupid classes and some more people show up because they heard it's a big race. Uh, now it's an even bigger race. Now we have these thousand entry races. Okay. Somehow people think that because a race has many entries, it makes a good race. Okay. That's couldn't be further from the truth. Most races with a lot of entries are actually the worst races to go to if you enjoy driving your RC car around a track. So that was the first scam. And you know that you are living in the sort of uh, end times or close to the end of this scam period when what keeps happening now is races advertise uh, what they are giving. So you will get this much track time. This is the racing format. Uh, welcome. Then they get too many entries and that changes. So they cut back on track time. Maybe they cut an entire uh, qualifying round. They shorten practice. They do all these things. So you paid, you're going to race, and then they change it on you. So you get less value for your money. Okay, that And that keeps happening now. Then... Uh, they even uh, do things where race organizers will announce that not only do you get all of this track time, we are capping the race, but then they get more entries, so they magically increase the cap just because they realize, oh, no, we are losing potential entries by doing this, so we'll actually allow for more people. And then they cut qualifying rounds or short-term practice. But they didn't qualify rounds at uh, Silver State, if that's what you're talking about. Oh, wow. No, not just Silver State. This is okay. a general rant. Okay? So that's that's like part one. Uh, we've covered these things a lot already. And that's not really the focus of my rant today. No. My focus is part two. This is the next step in this scam. Which is, we have one uh, successful race now. Ooh, so many people are showing up. Oh, we had a thousand entries. Oh, we made uh, good money on this race. How do we duplicate duplicate this 
oh, I know, let's make a series. So you have one race that is successful. Then what you do is you come up with a name for a series and you say, these other races are now the same as this first big race. Okay, so everyone, please go to these other races now. But you are so lazy that you don't actually do anything else than announce that it's a series. I'm not even kidding. You come up with a name, you call it a series, and you do nothing else. There's no points, there's no rules, there's nothing. It's not actually a fucking series. It's just a way for you to try to easily make a few more successful races so you can make more money. This is what I'm talking about. It's not wrong to make money. It's not wrong to be successful in business. The thing that I'm ranting against is just this attitude of, I am going to do the least amount of work for the most amount of money and not care about the actual product I'm putting out. To say that you have a series, but then to not actually do anything else that would make that a series, like have actual points, uh, tell, like figure out how to do it so the series itself has some value. You know, the, the races are all uniform. There's a point system. There's prizes. Uh, it's, it's something that's of value, like attend this race, go to all of them. Like uh, you try to actually create something like that. No, you just say that this is a series and uh, go to the race, please. Is that it, right? Yeah. What the <clears throat> fuck is all the series? Well, I, I, some series now. It's, oh, DNC and Lone Star and uh, Silverstone. This is now a series. What series? No one gives a shit who wins. Who's leading points? No one knows or cares. But then the reason for the rant was this new Asian RC series that Scott Jans is doing or whatever. Can't even remember what it's called. They don't even know when or where the last race is, and there's no points. Scotty, that's not a fucking series, okay? That's just a way of saying, we have a good race, Philippine Masters. Let's replicate this. Let's get these people to go to all the races. If you're going to do yep. that properly, then have an actual point system, have nice prizes, give a prize to someone who did all the races, like make it a fucking series, not just promote it and uh, get people to go because it's a series. It's not a fucking series. It's just another race. I get your point. I get your point. Like, yeah, we definitely need points. Even if it's virtual. I mean, look, I'm looking at your avatars and an RC cup series, right? We did this a few years ago. We used existing races and I, I get that too. Um, yeah, I wish they would. Your NNRC Cup was more of a series than this Scotland Asia, whatever the fuck it was. Well, give it some time, JQ. They just started. No, I no, think. No, give it. So the next give race, DNC some time. He'll figure out the air compressor. Yeah, okay, he did. It took twenty-three years. No, you so, don't need to give it some time. It's a fucking dumb scam. Don't go to these series races, okay? Don't go to them because you think it's a series. If you want to go to the individual race, go. But don't buy into this series crap. Well, did you ex did you say any uh, anything about this to the organizers? Like, where are the points and all that stuff when you was in the Philippines? No. Okay. I didn't talk to them. Well, I mean, maybe you should have uh, asked them about this and if they had a plans to do that. 
there's no plans. Okay. Um, I I get I get your rant. I like okay. So let's take Joey. We know that he has talked about doing a series for a long he's time. He's never right? gonna do it. It's, well, he's I mean, doing the series now. This is what he's doing. He's saying that it's a series. I agree. I agree. There's no yeah. points. There's right. nothing. We just had to learn Star Race this past weekend. Not all the yeah. top drivers wow. attended, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I would agree. I would like to see. I, I don't care who does it, to be honest. I don't care who does this series. But I would like to see points. I would like to see information, all that type of stuff. I would. Um, I don't care. Just... I, I would say this. You are right about the points. There, if there's going to be a series, there should be points. There should be all that stuff. Look, I went on to, I think right now, who's got probably one of the best series races is Lance, right? So Lance has his Florida RC championships. He has points. He has, uh, you know, you got points for TQ and you got all this type of stuff. He has a banquet at the end of the day. He gives away a lot of stuff as well, like at the banquet and raffles and all this type of stuff. But what I, what I liked was that people actually care about the points. Like, they go to these races. They want. They got points on their mind. They're approaching it from that because you're going to approach a series race different than a, a one-off race. You know what I mean? You may not have the best race, but you want to get gain some points. So you sell, You go back out there and salvage as much as you can. So, in order for it to be a good series race, you got to have these things. You got to have the rules. You got to have the the points and all that stuff where it actually makes it be a series and make it yeah, worth. You know series. what? You know what? That takes extra time and effort. You actually have to put in more time and effort and work to do that. Well, but all you need well, to do to to have a series and hopefully have more people at your races say that it's a series. That's well, easier. JQ, JQ, I suggest that you instead of you coming on her and ranting all the time, why didn't you offer up a point system for them to use? You know the organizers in the Asian race. Offer them something to use. Uh, it doesn't matter that the top pros don't go there, but the people that will go to the next round, they all, can all that information, point. all that information, everything is fucking out there already for someone to do the right thing. With national series, we have those; they work. Local, regional series, club race series, uh, they work. They are enjoyable. People attend those. Uh, OCRC had their Christmas, whatever the hell it was, holiday brawl fall series. I don't know. It worked. People attended. At the end, everyone got prizes. It was fun, you know? Those things work. That's fine. That's great. More of that. I love that. When we are talking about these international races, big races, companies who pay drivers send their drivers to these races, if we want to have a series for those, we need to make it worthwhile for the companies to attend, for the drivers to be there. We need to make that the professional side of RC. Now, the local people who live in Australia when the series visits there, they get to see the best drivers in the world mm -hmm, race mm -hmm. in that series, okay? And for them locally and regionally, people will travel to that race because it's special. They won't go to all of them because when we go to race in Italy, then it's the Italians and Southern Europeans. Or when we go to Buenos Aires in Argentina, it's the South Americans who get that. But the traveling circus are the top pros in RC because HB sends Cole Ogden and Kyosho sends Ryan Lutz and Mayako sends David Ronefog and TLR send Dakota Fend, right? That's the, that's the whole point. That's how it works. In every other fucking form of sport on planet Earth, 
that's how it works. You have the best professional people who race or compete against each other at events around the world. That's how it works. And that's what we need to figure out in RC also. So that top pros go to the same races around the world. And it's a series which makes it interesting and exciting for people to follow that. Oh, Kanas just beat Ongaro now. Uh, Ronefalk had a bit of a bad race. Fend blew out. He fended himself. I wonder what's going to happen at the next race. Okay. Kilic blows someone off the track. Oh, I wonder how the drama will evolve. In the next race, you know, storylines. That's what mm. makes racing exciting and interesting. If, for like, Formula One is fucking boring to watch. But if you know the points and the drama and that, then it gets more interesting because you care about the drivers, you care about the teams, you want this, you want that, right? But if you just watch one race and it doesn't mean anything, eh, not that interesting, is it? You know? We can easily do this if people stop just thinking about themselves. That goes for car brands, uh, all different types of manufacturers, the races themselves, and race organizers. Everyone. Everyone's just thinking of them themselves and not thinking like, I can do this and benefit myself, but other people will also benefit. We will all benefit. Oh, no, no, I can't do that. I can't help the fucking other brands in RC. I'll just do this. This thing, which only benefits me, is a dumb way of thinking. And that's how most people in RC think. And that's sort of the bigger picture of what this rant is about. But this series thing, this new trend, I have a successful race, so I'm just going to, you know, call these other races as part of my series. And everyone's now doing it, but not putting any effort in to actually make it a worthwhile thing to have in RC. That's done. I understand. I understand. I understand. I understand. We need a series. We do. We do. We do. I hope that uh, one of these may be common. I don't care. Like I said, I don't care which one it is, but I hope that it it happens. I hope that it does. All right. That wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, I think that's it, dude. We've been talking for quite a long time after your technical difficulties. Um, I wanted to say thank you for your time, JQ, even though you didn't really park up. You did. You was good, but you really parked up in the rant. Um, thank you for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, good luck at the review and Paco and everybody there at the <clears throat> at the upcoming Finnish Nationals first round. Uh, I will see everybody probably in a two weeks time at the Nationals. I think so. I look forward to that. Uh, thank you to uh, BJ and Max for all the help with the notes. Also, we'll be dropping another podcast with our guest Alex Sturgeon this week. Uh, and um, yeah. Thank you, everybody, for this. Thank you, everybody who's the NNRC squad around the world. We greatly appreciate it. I wanted to say once again, thank you to the Portuguese RC community, Mr. Duras Figueiredo and the Figueiredos for making me welcome in Portugal. Uh, thank you to all of the patrons of the of the podcast and the YouTube members. We greatly appreciate your support. And remember, everybody, we have sponsors and companies that advertise with us. If you can go and show them some love, it definitely shows us some love. They are Invisible Speed, High Tech RC, Some Padal USA, Sidewinder Fuel, Hot Race Tires, Mayako, <clears throat> excuse me, Techno RC, Beach RC, one second here. Uh, 
Ignite Design RC, Racecraft USA, WRCE, House of RC. Shout out to our drivers, David Ranafalk, Jared Tebow, Robert Badia, and Alexander Hagberg. Beaker, thank you for your time. It was good talking to you today. We even got a little I don't know why every single... uh tech technological item i have is failing right now yeah technology Microphone, is failing you. camera everything yeah i don't know lights mm-hmm. everything you should have I seen have what he's doing just to what he's doing just to get started here this is he needs a new mic he needs a new mic jq i will see you i don't know when i'll see you again but uh you have a good one and yeah it was a good time in portugal and look to have you on in another month or so, another few yeah. weeks, I would Thursday, say. Thursday, I'm doing my YouTube lives now, weekly, Thursday. Okay. So. There you go. All right. Cool. Well, I'll talk to you later on. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We greatly appreciate all the support. Lefty and JQ, we're out. We're done for today. Thank you, everybody. All right, JQ.